This is a Fubar Radio podcast. For more information, go to foobarradio.com. Nick Helm and Nathaniel Metcalf's fan club on Fubar Radio. Uh, hang on. Hang on. This is this will be good radio if we can make this work. No, it's gone. It's gone. Uh, it's scroll back up. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I was just Basically, about to sneeze. Nick's got a jab up his it's uh, a back. It's a callback. Uh, it's a crawl back. It's uh, a crawl backside. It's uh, a cruel world. Uh, so it would be for the hamster. Actually, oh, that's the it's real a picture, gerb- is it? it a gerbil or is it a hamster, Nathaniel? In your, <laughs> I've turned up in a very bad mood, haven't I? Haven't I? You've just turned up, haven't you? I've literally just turned up. Had a meeting with my lovely agent, uh, Lisa, and... Um, <laughs> I'm much. Uh, oh, I had to go home, um, toilet myself, and wash. And now, as I do at the end of every meeting with Lisa, toilet yourself. And uh, now I feel sick, and uh, I was ill all week. Yeah, I've been ill. Yeah, I've been sick. Uh, have but uh, just uh, my name's Nick Helm. My name's Nathaniel Metcalf, and you're listening to Nick Helm. Uh, no, just Nick. And just Nathaniel Metcalf. And Nathaniel Met. Calf. George, Nathaniel George Maker. Um, my name is Nick Helm. Uh, Helm because uh, once upon a time my ancestors used to helm the Viking boats. Oh yeah. Uh, they were very much in charge. They're the guys that said uh, row harder, uh, stuff like that. And uh, you're named after the, uh, the day that one of your ancestors met a calf. So uh, that's me, Nick it's Helm. It's a great day. <laughs> can't, couldn't stop banging on about it. Um, uh, just uh, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a young calf, so it didn't go any further than just handshakes uh, or hoof shakes. But uh, uh, I've watched Helen Partridge this week. Can you tell? <laughs> um, so uh, just as you joined us, uh, you listened to Fan Club. First rule of Fan Club. Uh, tell your friends about fan club wouldn't you do us a solid and uh, second rule of fan club is please for for the the love love of god God or Allah tell your friends about fan club now um, (laughs) I mean I've watched so much Alan Partridge this week is this going to take over me and Nat were just talking before uh, before we went on air about our favourite song lyrics mine is obviously uh, from the uh, Beatles song Sergeant Pepper where they add in a couple of extra words Uh, Sergeant Pepper's one and only Lonely Hearts Club and that's my (laughs) favourite bit and what was yours again Nat? (laughs) I like it in uh um, uh, something's gotten hold of my heart where um, something's says, got a hold of my heart and then he says whoa something's gotten hold of my soul what is it? Yeah, but then after he does that one and then he goes and let me tell you now something's <laughs> gotten hold of my heart have you ever heard uh, Mecca by Gene Pitney Mecca, yes, I have. Oh, fucking hell, Gene Pitney. When I went to university and we still had tapes, tape oh, yeah. decks. Fucking hell. CDs were new. Um, CDs were still £59 per CD. A lot of info on there. You could fit up to 12 tracks. Okay. Um, uh, but, uh, well, in the olden days on vinyl, uh, tr- uh, albums were regularly about eight tracks long. The kids won't know what you're talking about now, Nick. Vinyl, do they? They don't know what you're talking about. You mentioned them. They do, but only in an ironic way, Nat. <laughs> um, tell me, Nat, uh, when did your ancestors meet that calf? <laughs> it was, uh, uh, weirdly, it was about... It was... About, <laughs> it was 
about a year before I was born, so it's just quite recent history then. It's still a big deal. Bloody hell. I mean, but that calf now is, you know, it's, what, now, um, it's now 40. <laughs> what, were you, uh, what, what were your ancestors uh, called before, before that? Uh, 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 Nathaniel, about to meet a calf. Yeah. Good stuff. It's all, it's all gold. Solid. It's all gold. All, all the hits, all day long. Fubar Radio. That's right. Uh, for all of your uh, 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 yeah. ca- calf jokes, calf, yeah. uh, tune yeah. into Fubar Radio because we are fucked up beyond all recognition. <laughs> <laughs> um, aside from the occasional cunt, um, we're actually uh, fairly child friendly on this show, but uh, but then again, we we can't we can't vet our guests. <laughs> uh, no, um, uh, so, so yeah, something's got a hold of my with Gene Mark, Pitney. Gene Pitney and my favorite well, Mark Almond, my favorite the, the nut, Mark Almond. Almond. <laughs> Who's that over there? We got a new guest. We got a new character. We got a new new guest. They're all real. They're all real. Yeah, one of our special guests. Wrigley. Do you know what I heard? I heard that Wrigley Scott is uh, directing a new film. Oh yeah. uh, Starring Stephen Seagal, and uh, you you never guess who's got to do the theme tune. (laughs) Mark (laughs) Walner. Mark Walnut. <laughs> Mark Walnut. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh no. <sighs> I've been very depressed this week. <laughs> no. You've been on your own a lot, then. Uh, very much so. <laughs> She's taken everything, Matt. Um, no, no, I've still got a bit of money. <laughs> oh no, no, no! I'm moving house, and uh, it's a very, uh, it's a very um, uh, nostalgic and dusty experience. I mean, oh god, I've watched so much Partridge. Did you watch it? Yeah, I watched uh, the new one. I liked it a lot. I, I liked, liked it. it. I really liked it. Uh, some bits were weaker than others, but uh, I... <laughs> I think it's going to be one of those things, though, that because it's it's one of those things that's got such a build-up to it, isn't it? And I think that I it's hard to... Well, I know... I, mm, go on. No, no, it feels like maybe... I, I feel like it's going to be one of those things that you could watch again and again, and it wouldn't be... I think the, the trick they missed, <laughs> which I wish they had done, is just... Um, Put them all out one after another, day after day, like it is a week. I watched it. Um, so my, I'm I'm uh, good friends with uh, Joe Fraser. Joe Fraser. <laughs> is he the boxer from the fifties? Yeah, not the boxer. Right. And um, uh, he uh, produced my uh, short film, uh, The Killing Machine. Uh, he did behind the scenes footage on the first series of Uncle for the DVD. Um, and I, m- I met him on that and um, when I met him and our eyes met um, I felt like we'd known each other forever and we became instant best friends um, I only have best friends now I don't have casual acquaintances okay. uh, and I and I try to shuffle them uh, away now <laughs> uh, so I've only, I only have the good guys, uh, but me and yeah, me and Joe met then, and so he has been um, 
he managed to get like a week off of editing uh, the Alan Partridge uh, show to produce my short a year ago. And um, uh, yeah, he's been editing it for fucking ages. Like, for fucking ages. Like, he was editing it up until uh, August, then he had a month off, and then he edited it up till November, and then they all said we'll sleep on it until after Christmas, and he edited it in the new year. So I've seen little bits and pieces of it uh, while he's been doing that, because we've had meetings and stuff. So I, it wasn't all, like, a surprise to me. Okay. But I've not been aware of the general public's anticipation of it. I, just when he was on the front of the Radio Times, and I was just like, oh, yeah. yeah. And also, because it's, because the weird thing is, people are treating it like it's the first time Alan Partridge has done a TV show since, no, uh, since I'm Alan Partridge. And he's actually been consistently making TV shows yeah, 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 yeah. since, uh, well, for about 10 years. I think of it as like, it's a BBC One show now, which is Well, he's never been on BBC yeah. One. So it feels like that's a big deal, right? That it's an hour BBC One for show. For me, as Alan Potridge, well, I'm a Steve Coogan fan, and um, uh, I would say the man who thinks he's it. If you've, ne- if ne- if you've never seen I don't know how it's aged, really, but I think the man who thinks he's it was his 1998 tour. Or 19, yeah, 1998 to that, and that I bought that on VHS when I was at university. That and Live and Lewd, uh, but that was before he kind of was doing Partridge Live. So Alan Partridge was invented for the day to day, yes, uh, and then um, knowing me, knowing you, knowing me, knowing uh, yeah. So they did. So it was on the hour on the radio. Oh yeah, yeah. And then uh, Chris Morris did uh, the day to day, and Alan Partridge was the new uh, was the sports uh, desk guy. And then uh, he had a spin off series, which was No Me No New, which was one series, six episodes. And then he had a Christmas special, Christmas No Me special. No Newell, where he killed a man <laughs> on air. Yes. And then I'm Alan Partridge was sort of like the behind the scenes, day to day life. Yeah. Of. And I think that if it had been made after The Office, then they would have made it like a documentary. Yeah. But uh, it was made just before The Office, and I, I think there was a little bit of a gap before the second series of No. Of I remember it had been quite a long time, right? I think it was maybe three or four years. Yeah, yeah. And then, so I think that the uh, definitely the first series was before university, and then the second series was in 2002, I think, when I'd, when I'd graduated. I because I think, yeah, I have a feeling the first series was about 97-ish, I reckon. Yeah, probably. Yeah, just bev- yeah, yeah, okay, um, and uh, same year as obviously uh, Dress Apart, The Lost World, and Batman and Robin. For if you if you need some context, <laughs> um, but um, so there was a bit of a gap there, and I think The Office had come along in between, yeah. and when the laughter track was still there. Um, oh yeah, on the second series. On the second series, people found that very jarring, and it also had people. Compl- I remember people complaining about it, saying that why have you done this? Why have you put a laughter track on it? Never had one in the first series. I remember it getting complaints to uh, the Radio Times. Really? Yes. There was people, a laughter track in yeah, the first series. People assumed there wasn't. They couldn't believe it. Because they said it had been dumbed down. Maybe they had been... I do think the second series is dumbed down. I find the second series uh, un- uh, odd. I haven't seen the second series nearly as much as the first one. The first series is an absolute classic series. And the second series is still... Uh, do you know what? A lot of the memorable bits that you associate yeah. with Partridge are from the second series. Yes. But hang on, before we get into that. So um, they filmed all of... They built the sets in the BBC studios. So the so the travel lodge 
was there, and then they, uh, but it was a closed set, and then the audience would sit and watch it on monitors. So it wasn't like they showed the video back. It wasn't canned laughter, and it wasn't that they showed the video back to the audience later later on. If you watch it, they're sort of pausing for the laughs, and they're also repeating lines every so often when the laughter has kind of like covered their lines. So it's like a live show, yeah. which actually, when you think about it, is incredible. Yeah, when you think about that, because actually all the performances are quite subtle. Yeah, but so in the first series... Yes, yeah, so you're doing like a... If you're doing a show in front of an audience, which is quite... You know, you, you sort of... Your instinct is to go broader, isn't it? But they're still doing that kind of very subtle kind of... Well, all of the cast, uh, yeah. all of the stuff at the, at the Travel Lodge, uh, at Travel Tavern. Mm. Uh, I mean, it's it, the first series is incredible. Mm. And... The second series, I think I remember interviews with Armando Nucci, and he was probably being very, um, or, or what you call it, self-deprecating, but he yeah. basically said that he was having a mental breakdown when they did the second series because they were just trying to make it as good as yeah, the first yeah, series. Yeah. The problem, I think the problem that I have with the second series is that everyone is a cartoon character. And what I heard was that every episode so if you're making a, a BBC half hour it's got to be 28 minutes if you're making a, a commercial half hour which would be like a, a channel with adverts it's got to be 22 minutes right so uh, so so like what I, what I was saying last week when we made Uncle on Channel 4 we did the pilot was 22 minutes and then when we moved over we had to add another 6 minutes into it so um, so what I heard was with the second series the episodes uh, were coming in, the finished episodes were coming in around 40, 45 minutes. Okay. And so they had to basically hack the shit out of them in order to get them to fit into the half-hour time slot. Um, and then when you watch the second series, literally the, the, every other character is basically there to set up a catchphrase for Alan Partridge. Hardly anyone else gets any laughs. Mm. And... Uh, there's no silent, there's no quiet moments in the second series. There's m really, the first series is about like, it's like a study of one man's emotional turmoil and breakdown in a travel tavern. Yes. And the second series is literally, gag, 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 gag. And it's like, and the Geordie uh, builders never change their costume. So they're like cartoon characters. Like the, in the first series, they're all, every, all the extra characters wearing uniforms or they're in one episode. So they look the same every episode. Yeah. But in the second series, it's just like, why are the Builders dress the same every week. Why is Lynn's hair so big? Uh, why, you know, he's got a Polish girlfriend, and it's like every single character is like a cartoon character. I think in the second, I love it, and there are loads of really iconic moments mm. in the second series, but it's kind of weird. And the other thing that I really liked about this time, and uh, what I really loved about uh, what I, so the day to day, he's uh, um, he's uh, in a new studio. So he exists as part of a uh, a real world kind of TV format. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the best thing about the whole of Partridge that it has this internal uh, logic to it all. Yeah. So when you look at uh, I'm Alan Partridge, it kind of doesn't fit in that world where it's actually a sitcom. Yes. So now he's become a sitcom character, and when you look at Alpha Papa, it's kind of like, well, in what reality does this exist? I love Alpha Papa as yeah. well, but um, Alpha Popper. Um, but uh, and, and I would say that the opening credits to Alpha Popper, the um, I think they're my favourite Alan Partridge moment of all time. The bit when he's in the car. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I, the bit of Alpha Popper that never sat well with me is the bit where there's like the dream sequence bit. 
Yeah. And that's the bit that always goes, no, it's not. It shouldn't have dream sequences. But I think, I think it's fine. I think <coughs> I can do that. I, I think, think if it was a documentary... Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, just if it was kind of done like... as a documentary. Yeah, I know what you mean. But I think you've just got to assume that Alpha Papa, like the ones that don't fit in with that world, I think still make sense. But you just have to see it as like they're movies based on the real person, Alan Partridge. Do you know what I mean? They're like, yeah, they're, you're just watching a film yeah. version. No, I, 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 I can deal with it. It's not like I don't like them because of it. Mm. But it's always more so. So when they announced that they were doing the second series of I'm Alan Partridge and they said he was presenting his, uh, uh, was it on the History Channel? He's the war-based uh, oh, game yes, show yes, Skirmish. skirmish. Uh, I thought if they had done Skirmish as a game show, and it was Alan Partridge with uh, guests every week. I mean, Alan Partridge hosting a going for gold type game show. I don't know if you could get six episodes out of that. But if that was a running thing going through the background, I would have. I think that's what I thought was going to happen. Yeah. So I pictured that in my mind. And then when I watched the second series, it was just like, like this stuff, like his book getting pulped and him, like trying to trying to sell his book, bouncing back and all of that. And it just feels like. They don't give that enough uh, room to breathe to be like an emotional payoff for the entire series. And when the series finished, it was just like, is that it? Is, is there going to be no more Partridge ever? Is that like, because it could have ended yeah, there. Yeah. And I think for a while, it maybe that was a sort of thought, right? That that'll probably be it. Well, and I think he basically got sick of the character. And, uh, and then uh, the Gibbons brothers came along. Well, he did the tour in 2000 and Eight, so it's ten years after the man who thinks he's it. The man who thinks he's it is basically my favourite live show uh, I've just ever. I watched it over and over again, and um, uh, and I've put, and, and I think that in the early days when I did Edinburgh, and I'd do some shows. I did like a few shows, and I rewatched it, and I realised that I had uh, accidentally ripped off a couple of lines here and there. Where they just like become part of your everyday. Um, lexicon hmm. um, but uh, I loved it so much but I have to say Alan Partridge was maybe my least favourite of all of his characters yeah do you know what but now it's become I think my favourite growing up I never really Alan Partridge was one of the sure Alan Partridge it's like I, I always really loved Pauline Calf yeah and I really I mean uh, I really loved uh, the Tony Freno phenomenon. Yes, for the I hour. really loved it. That hour was amazing. I've the general public hated it. I think that it's a thing where people um, retrospectively actually uh, appreciate Steve Coogan, you know, retrospectively, in hindsight. Yeah. Again, um, Tony Farino's a character, I think, who is totally believable as that sort of it's, crooner like it is absolutely like a real well, it was could his, be a real person it was and his, it's played like it's a real well, person it was his stab at doing like primetime mainstream TV yeah and um, it was so unpopular I mean I don't know if I should say this but he's not listening uh, Joe oh no well no. Okay. Um, but like I think that I think Tony Farino's a really well rounded well, character. Like I think that's a Joe, really Joe is Steve's nephew. And uh, he said he got bullied at school because Tony Freeman was so unpopular. <laughs> but people hated it. Um but um I, I think it's my favourite hour of T V. I like ever. I just I I love it. I love it so much. And all the songs are great and all the songs are like really on point. It's yeah. And live he was incredible. Um, on the man who thinks he's it tour, and then live, my favourite character live is Duncan Thicket, who's like oh, yeah, who's yeah. a terrible stand-up comedian. And yeah. when I saw Brian Gittins for the first time, 
I thought this is the closest I'm going to get to seeing Duncan Thicket life. Yeah, yeah. Duncan Thicket's incredible Paul character. Carf best. That was always my favourite. Paul Carf is kind of like really it, well, he was really versatile. When they did Cheese and Ham Sandwich, where they launched BBC Three. Mm. Uh, I think that was like 2002 or 2003, and Cheese and Ham Sandwich came out, and that was uh, Duncan Thicket was comparing, and uh, it was a half hour. Duncan Thicket was comparing, and uh, Paul and Carf opened, and then. Um, uh, Paul Calf closed it and I, th- I thought that that was a really solid thing but if you got it on DVD um, <laughs> um, <laughs> if you got it on DVD there was uh, um, they did like a half hour making of um, uh, yeah half hour behind the scenes making of uh, the cheese and ham sandwich and uh, it was basically Henry Normal and Steve Coogan sat in a big kind of like rehearsal studio uh, writing the show and what's absolutely gorgeous about it is um, the fact that they're making each other laugh. Right. So they're sat in a room, and I think uh, Henry Norman's behind the camera and Steve Coogan's on camera, and um, they're just writing jokes, and you can see jokes get... like Especially in the early days when I first started doing stand-up, it was kind of in, uh, in, invaluable. Invaluable? Yeah, that's Does, the word. Invaluable. Doesn't that mean not valuable? Unvaluable. Invaluable. Invaluable. Infamous, unfamous, unfamous. Inevitable. Unevitable. What's evitable? What is evitable? Natalie? She's not looking at us. She's not even fucking listening anymore. <laughs> Obviously not a Steve Coogan fan. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> Saxondale. Saxondale. I love was Saxondale. A, a, a second series of Saxondale when he grew his real hair and he grew his own b- beard. Well, he grew his own beard in the first series, I guess, but he had a terrible wig in the first series, and it's quite distracting. Second series, it was more formatted. But he does. I think Coogan kind of gets better the older he gets in a funny way, because it's like, I think he's got that, like, Saxondale's such a great character that he's quite likable. You're not meant to go, oh, what an idiot. Well, the, you the, go, no, I like him. DVD I really extras. like him. When, when, when you used to get DVDs, the DVD extras on all the Steve Coogan stuff were just fucking incredible. Um, <laughs> because um, because uh, that's Keanu. Keanu. Well, what's fucking weird about the... Okay, so, God, there's so much to talk about. Um, I love... I just love... I love him! Um, I love him so much. I just think he's just... He's basically our generation's Peter Sellers. And, um, and Peter Sellers was... Widely regarded as one of the gifted performers, the most gifted performers. I'm going to take my headphones off because I don't think that anything's coming through them. Oh, That's his headphones aren't working. <laughs> That's why he's been looking distracted this this whole time for the last 22 minutes. <laughs> um, no, it's fine. I don't need them. So, don't need them. So, uh, Saxondale, yeah, that was an amazing show. The second, I really loved the second series when his hair wasn't so distracting, and I just thought. So, when you watch the extras of. Um, the cheese and ham sandwich, you see them develop a joke from beginning to end where they've come up with the idea and then they're kind of tweaking it and trying out variations on it and then eventually you see the final thing and you go, wow, that's amazing, that's how you write a joke. And, um, and yeah, that's just really educational as, as from a comedian's point of view mm. as a tool just to, watch, just to watch that. But also it's really nice because you, you get an impression from, um, from just Steve Coogan that he's a very serious man mm. and that maybe he doesn't get a lot of joy out of what he does. Uh, you know, I think he's quite frustrated. And oh, I think what's good about him is he, I think he challenges himself in a way that I think lots of comedians don't. And I think he does... Yeah, I think he's got that thing that... I think he's aware of his own legacy in a way that I think a lot of people aren't. Yeah. And I think that's really important because I think he does have that. When he does a new Alan Partridge now, he can't do 
like it'd be really easy for him to really kind of ring it out and kind of go I'll just do as much of this uh, but he's actually it seems like every project is really carefully thought through and yeah, like, but he's also, it's got to be it's got to be good otherwise I can't do it he's mapped out his life as well Alan Partridge's life yeah so it's kind of like I think he always said that Alan Partridge is him 10 years older 10 years older yeah and um, uh, and when you look, watch I'm Alan Partridge it's like him 30 years older Yes. And he's like de-aged over the years because he's realised that they completely missed, they overshot the mark on how old that he would look. But when you see early Alan Partridge, he looks 12. And then you see him now and he's really grown into it. And you're just like, but also he's like a cement mixer of like people, you know, it's Alan Titchmarsh and it's... Uh, uh, Richard Madeley. Yeah, and Jim Rosenthal. And, you know, it's like, it's all of, it's, it's all of uh, Richard Madeley... Um, I mean, <laughs> yeah, very much rich in me. But like, but it's just like all of those sort of like daytime TV presenters. <coughs> oh, fuck off. I'm just a human, Natalie. I'm coughing. Yeah. It's if you love people. me, you've got to love the phlegm. It's good for people to know you're only human as well sometimes. Yeah? You've got to love the phlegm. <laughs> You gotta love the piss and the shit and the and the <coughs> and the, Not the in here, early mornings. Um, I mean, that's uh, admittedly um, a terrible Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, what are you doing? What are you coming in? I've got tissues. I'm not sneezing, am I? I'm coughing. You've I'm got coughing. Some tissues. Nick Helm's got some gingham tissues. <laughs> 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 Nick and Nat's fan club. No, I'm all right. I think you covered that well. Thanks. Um, so, um, so when you look at, uh, so, yeah, I just, I, I think he's incredible, I, I, and I love his, I love his other characters. Maybe, or I have historically, yeah, loved his other characters more than I've loved Partridge. I feel like Partridge was no, not to be a snob about it, but I felt that like Partridge was. It's his most popular character for a reason, and mm. that's because it's the most accessible. And I really fucking love some of his other characters. I think, but now I think Partridge might have become my favourite. It didn't used to be. I agree. No, I, I do agree. I think that, well, Adam, Partridge is the most three dimensional. Yeah. I think because that's what he's I like had about to it. fucking because it's, it's his most popular, so he's had to rethink it. Like I said, it could have ended at the end of the second series yeah. of High Man and Partridge, and he could never have done it again. But every time he's had to do like. Um, a comic relief uh, or something like that he's thought about Alan Partridge in terms of why he would be hosting comic relief exactly and um, and I love that in the book in the Alan Partridge book where it is like everything about it it's the story has a story behind him doing comic relief appearances and things so it's like him saying this is why oh so I've been asked to do this thing and it's and well, it doesn't do anything where it ignores that like I think comic relief is one of those <coughs> opportunities isn't it for people to go well it could be like he'll do like a special one like a I don't know if this was. I'm sure they did a David Brent comic book. But it's almost like out of it's out of the series, isn't it? They go. It's not a real episode. It's like a with Anne Partridge. It's all canon. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's all in the canon. It's, it's, and 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 when I think when they were so fun fact when I was writing my blaps for Baby Cow, um, uh, so I was at Baby Cow offices. This is 2012 um, when I was writing my blaps. They were in the next room uh, writing uh, the book. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I think uh, it was either the book or the film, but I think it was the book. And uh, Amanda Inucci was in there and the Gibbons brothers were in there and Steve King was in there. And it was a thin wall. And basically 
um, I was sat on my own, joylessly, trying to work out what I was going to do for my three five-minute slots for Channel 4's Blaps. And it was interspersed every five minutes with uh, them uh, laughing uproariously. <laughs> and it was a, quite a depressing experience, just thinking, I wish I was in that room. It's a nice idea, though, if you weren't, you know... Like, it's a nice idea of them sitting around laughing. Well, you want to be a fly on the wall, not a piece of shit on the other side of the wall (laughs) trying to do your 15-minute blaps. Um, But then when I was doing The Killing Machine, uh, I was... uh, I think I was in the lobby of Baby Cow. I didn't have a writing room. I was just in the lobby meeting, and we were talking about it. Is that like in um, hospitals where they just have, like, a bed in a corridor? There's no bed, mate. No. It was was a sofa. You could have slept on it, sure. But it wasn't a bed. Uh, you know, there's no beds at work. Otherwise, you just sleep in it. That's why I never work from home. <laughs> Don't get anything done. Um, so, <laughs> um, so, uh, so I, when I was doing the killing machine last year, mm-hmm. I was sat in the lobby r- working on the killing machine, and Steve and the Gibbons brothers had the uh, writing room. And same fucking thing. He was like, Steve was going around acting out Partridge, and. Uh, and they were all laughing, and I was just there going, fucking hell, what am I going to do? <laughs> it was like, and then when I was writing it, I finally got the writing room, and I had all of the, like, I had, they had the whole series mapped out on post-it notes, and I was writing my 15-minute short film, like, being uh, totally, uh, you know, towered over by an entire Alan Partridge series on post-it notes, and it was kind of like, oh, God, it was intimidating. It's interesting to say you're saying it was being re-edited because it seems like you would have to plan that all first. You'd leave little room for it. Well, it, looks se- it looks seamless, but I think there's just uh, there's a lot of footage, you know. Mm. But also they've been like just massaging it and squeezing yeah. it down to like the thing. So when you look at the um, Saxondale uh, special uh, special features, um, uh, Steve's basically saying that his, Saxondale was his favourite character and the thing about Saxondale was he goes you know, Alan Partridge is a buffoon and you're meant to laugh at him but the thing about Saxondale is uh, he's actually quite likeable mm. and yeah you do laugh at Saxondale and how frustrated he gets but also Saxondale is making actual jokes and yeah. commentaries within the episodes that you are also meant to laugh at yeah. so you're meant to find Saxondale uh, in himself funny so he's less of kind of like um, a, a buffoon and more kind of like a, a philosopher. Yeah. But you. But and I really loved his relationship with his wife. I thought it was really lovely. Oh, just I just found it all like really believable. It's and brilliant. Like, yep. Yeah, totally get why they what, love each what's other. What's his name? Rasmus. Oh, Rasmus Harddaker. Yeah. Right. Um, he was great. And yeah, like, really I great. just thought that Saxondale was just uh, guys. If you've not seen Saxondale, uh, watch Saxondale. Is. There you go. Um, the, the second, uh, but the second series particularly, I, I remember really loving because um, I just felt like they. It was sort of. Was, this is weird for me to say because I don't generally like formatted stuff. I like when I'm writing stuff. I try and go. Uh, uh, I try and think when I'm pitching stuff. I try and think well, every episode can be completely different, and then. Um, but uh, then um, when you watch Saxon Taylor, it's kind of like got a beginning, a middle and an end. Every episode starts kind of the same in his uh, neighbourhood. Mm. He's got a next door neighbour that he has like a, a chat with, which isn't in the first series. And it actually gives it, you actually understand a little bit better what the series is trying to be. Um, I just really loved it. But um, 
I went, I remember, because uh, obviously Uncle was a baby cow, so, um, well, my blaps were with baby cow, and then the script for Uncle came in, and then they said, well, Nick would be good for that, and so then I did Uncle. But um, that's why I um, am at baby cow sometimes. But um, I got invited to uh, the uh, Alpha Papa premiere, uh, so I went to the premiere, uh, and I think I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago that everyone got a Terry's chocolate orange, oh, yes, yeah, yeah, but yeah. a soiled Terry's chocolate orange. <laughs> I've still got mine on my shelf, uh, which I've had to pack up, covered in dust. Um, but uh, so I went to that, and um, uh, we didn't know what to expect, and um, I was really nervous about it because I think the Brent film completely misunderstands the character yeah. and uh, why The Office was likeable and mm-hmm. good. I think The Office is one of the greatest. I think it's brilliant. I think it's the, wonderful. The British Office, I think, is one of the greatest. Obviously, I mean, I'm not like saying anything in No, no, new. no. It, but it is. But I think people almost retroactively like decide they don't like it now, where it's like, it's brilliant. It's, it's like a, it's a real kind of piece of art, you know. Really. It cha- well, it's, ch- it's changed irreparably the yeah. face of uh, international sitcoms. And I know people go, oh, it wasn't the first thing to do. And it wasn't, but it just did it better. <coughs> it was out at the it same time the as Operation Good yeah. Guys, uh, which was basically doing the same thing on ITV, I think that was. was it? I thought that was BBC Two. Oh, know. was it? I, I thought so. Operation Good Guys was ITV, but maybe you were right. Um, and that was, But that was very cartoonish. That was very broad. It wasn't, yeah. you know, and th- it's absolutely right. If you're going to make something like that, you've got to make it as real as possible. Yeah, got to do it as the Office is incredible. It's brilliant. Um, the Brent movie is sort of... Not incredible. I don't understand how that happened. Um, but um, it doesn't make sense. I mean, <laughs> the ending just comes out of nowhere. They hate him. Yeah, and then they just and then all of a sudden, like because they need an ending, everyone yeah. says, "Oh, we've always liked Brent." And you go, "No, you haven't." Do you know what though? I think a lot of that stuff. Like I, I sometimes hear people criticizing movies and things that I've enjoyed, and I go, and when they tell, when they do a thing about it, they'll say, "Oh, well, actually, this bit doesn't make sense. This bit doesn't." And that, and when when I hear them say it, I go, "Joe, you know what? You're right." But all the only difference is, I was enjoying it, and you weren't. <laughs> That's that I was like yeah. quite happy to watch that. It's the difference between Empire Strikes Back and The Last Jedi, where you yeah. go, this like, well, what? They take some the same amount of time to get from one end of the galaxy to the other in a vehicle that can go at light speed, uh, as it does for Luke Skywalker to do half his Jedi training. Yeah. Well, then it's obviously kind of like they've they've gone on a road trip and he's done months <laughs> and months of extensive training. And so obviously that doesn't make sense. You don't th- you don't notice it, or really even when you do notice it, you don't. It doesn't take away your enjoyment because it's such an amazing film, yeah. you know. Whereas the Last Jedi, it's got probably the same level of plot plot problems, but yeah. it's I hated every single second of it. I hated it. Like I went into it thinking this is a Star Wars film. I'm gonna love it. I loved the uh, the Force Awakens. I'm going to love The Last Jedi. And even when the opening crawl came up, I was just like, oh, hang on, there's something not right. And I tried to ignore it for all the film. But by the time that fucking steam iron joke comes along, I'm just like, fuck this film so badly. <laughs> I fucking hate this film. Drinking fucking green milk out from fucking walrus's tit. Fucking hated that fucking film. What a fuck. Um, I love women. So... Um, <sighs> So with the with uh, so anyway so I went to this I went to the premiere and I was sat next to Julian Barrett right oh, yeah. 
and um, and I I don't know Julian Perrot, but I the impression I've got is that he's a bit standoffish and a bit you know maybe he's a bit too cool for school. So that's just the impression I've got. But that, I think that's largely part of his character that he plays sure, in The yeah, Mighty yeah. Bush, right? So, yeah. so I didn't really... It wasn't based on any real... No, no, nothing. Just based on kind of like an overall impression I've got of the thing. And I sat, we sat next to Julian Barrett and I was like, well, he's a bit too cool for school. And um, he laughed his fucking ass off the entire film and uh, it annoyed me. No, it didn't. It made me go, oh, fucking hell, Julian Barrett's all right. Because, of course, he's, he's someone he's a who really is. He's, he will have grown he, up he's with just it as well. a, he's, he's a fan just like everyone else. Mm. Um, I've got a funny story about um, uh, that sort of relates to Julian Barrett, but we've got to play a song, so maybe I'll say it afterwards. Um, are you okay to play a song? Yeah. Have we, have we done what we needed to do? This time with Alan Partridge, I really enjoyed. Me too. And I love, I love Alan Partridge. Me too. Uh, Oh, oh, Alan. Nick and Nat's fan club on Fubar Radio. Proof that not all Alice Cooper's songs are gold. <laughs> That's from Flush to Fashion 1980. Interesting one, though. Interesting. I was saying it sounds a bit like Sparks or something like that. Well, so, so uh, you've got to understand that um, Alice Cooper basically, with all the elements, all of the stage elements, and a lot of it was written to be performed live on stage. Mm. You know, it was like like um, like Queen were kind of like wrote stuff for audience participation. Like a lot of the Alice Cooper stuff was kind of like, and then what props are we going to use? What costumes are we going to use? When am I going to get guillotined or hung, hanged? Uh, you know, when am I? You know. Um, what was he going to do there? Try and complete a giant crossword? <laughs> well, but, but so, but but all of those elements that Alice Cooper put into the Alice Cooper band from '69 uh, to '75 uh, that they put into their live shows. Then when Alice Cooper changed his name by deed poll from Vince Vernier to Alice Cooper, so that he could basically, as a solo act, <laughs> legally. <laughs> just call himself like nick the band's legacy and just go yeah i'm alice cooper and it was just like no the band was alice cooper and now he's alice cooper and now he did welcome to my nightmare which was this fucking huge show um uh there was a point in time when alice cooper was inventing trends where he invented kind of like he didn't invent glam rock but he invented that kind of like shock rock type mm-hmm. type stage persona like to the point where kiss basically when kiss um got created uh, they basically said uh, what's better than one Alice Cooper four Alice Coopers mm. that's why one of them looks like a cat <laughs> a fucking you wouldn't want to be Peter Chris <laughs> what's my makeup guys well I'm I'm the star child uh, and uh, that means I, I'm really cool and I've got a star over one eye uh, and uh, that's Space Ace he's uh, basically a spaceman and he's got silver makeup I mean, pretty good. and Gene Simmons is the demon uh he, he looks like a demon, and he's going to spit blood on stage. Yeah, 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 yeah. What's what's my character? Um, I don't know, a cat? <laughs> like a like a leopard or like no. a big? Um, <laughs> no, uh, Peter. Like, like a lion. Like, like a tabby tiger. cat. No, like okay. a tabby cat. You're going to have um, whiskers painted whiskers. on your face. And... Well, all right, but I'll be at the back, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's all right. It's not like this band's gonna last long. But like Peter Chris, he, uh, well, he he um, he's the one that sung Beth. Beth, I hear you calling, but I can't come home tonight. 
me and the boys are playing, and we've got to get it right. Just a few more hours, baby. And then I don't know any more of the words. Is it not a biographical? Um, what? Track? But no, I think he wanted to call it something else, and then the others bullied him into calling it Beth. Right. But it's probably the best moment in the Kiss movie, uh, Kiss at the Phantom and the Phantom of the. Oh, I've not seen it. Oh, it's a th- something. Uh, what's what's the Kiss film called? Phantom of the Park. That's what's going to say. Some murder at Phantom Park or something. It's, I think it's, it's, it's I think it's the Phantom of the Park or something. It's fucking incredible. I got the ki- I got these basically these Kiss box sets, and um, uh, and it's just it's it's like basically Kiss are uh, the, the Scooby Doo gang. And they turn up at the theme park to do a gig and they (laughs) have to solve a a, a crime. But they're like, uh, Gene Simmons is a demon that can breathe fire. um, Oh, really? Yeah, but it's done with the worst special effects and they basically, (laughs) they wanted to destroy it. They were so like, uh, Kiss meets the Phantom of the Park. They wanted to destroy it. So I think it's only available as part of that box set. Um, uh, Kissology, I think it's called, and it's like a four-part box set. Okay, uh, and it's actually there's some amazing interviews in it. What you really realise is that Ace Freely is the loveliest man on the. I mean, he's fucking gorgeous. This is amazing. This is incredible. Um, this is incredible interview that they did in the seventies, where Ace Freely and Peter Chris are blatantly stoned off their tits, and Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons are not happy about mm-hmm. it. And th- and it's just Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley just look like the fucking most spoiled, ungracious bitches on the entire planet. And every time Peter Chris, uh, every time Peter Chris or Ace Freely, but it's mainly Ace Freely. Ace Freely was everyone's favourite, right? Everyone's favourite member of got Chris. a cool name. He's just fucking wicked, right? And um, uh, and when they did, so basically, I think it was 1978. They all did a solo album. Uh, where you know they were, they they released four solo albums. They had uh, four um, album covers that basically were of the same. Uh, it was like a illustrated picture of their face on a black cover, um, and I think uh, Paul Stanley was blue. Uh, and so solo albums, but within the Kiss sort of. Yeah, so they released four at the same time that were all Kiss, but they were all their solo albums. And then they, in, inside, they all came up with uh, one fourth of a poster oh, that okay. you can slot together like jigsaw puzzles. A bit like um, Outcast did, but they did their own album. Sure. Um, okay, I don't know what that is, but uh, <laughs> I think that's that's post nineteen eighty three. So uh, no, no, that was a lie. Uh, Terminator was eighty four, so was Ghostbusters. So uh, and then it, obviously Back to the Future was eighty five, same year as the the Black Cauldron. So my tastes uh, solidified in nineteen ninety three. Um, but it's uh, uh, an interesting idea. That so they all released they all released four, and Ace Freely's literally sold out within years. Uh, when you, I bought all of them on um, uh, vinyl from, um, I think uh, I, I was, um, oh, where was I? I was in New York and I went to a secondhand record shop and you could buy the other three really quite cheaply and they didn't have Ace really. Oh. So I had to find that separately with the jigsaw pieces in it. It's similar to uh, apparently uh, Gary Barlow tells a story of looking going to Toys R Us to buy himself 
a Gary Barlow doll, and he goes with his like hat on, gets his like. Is this one of Gary Barlow's faux modest stories? <laughs> no, not really. Well, sort of is, but he's, he's got that thing where. Do he's... you know what Gary Barlow's all right? No, he no. is. He's so modest. He's so down to earth. You know, with his offshore accounts and the uh, and vo- <laughs> voting Tory, he's all right. Gary Barlow. Apparently Gary Barlow's all right because he's not as much of a cunt as Robbie Williams. Carry on. <laughs> I'd well to know what I agree with you. But he had a thing where he went into Toys R Us to try and when they had to take that dolls, and the only ones they had left were Gary Barlow's. And he said, "Oh, have you got? Is this the only one you've got left?" And they're like, "Yeah, yeah. Did you order more?" And they go, "No, we got more of the Gary Barlow's than the others." He goes, "Oh, yeah, good, good." And then they said, "Yeah, because um, if you buy the other three, you can get Gary for free." And you go, oh. <laughs> yeah, that's one of his... Yeah, sure. He he's all right, though. I mean, he's a great songwriter. Sometimes I sing a song around my flat, and I think, what's that? And I realise it's only bloody Gazza, Gary Barlow, he not, not Fog in the Time. I think there's a thing in his book about <coughs> how he wasn't jealous of Robbie Williams once. And he goes, goes yeah, well, between me and Robbie is, you know, he might have all the, the girls and the money. But I've still got an Oyster card. And to that he wasn't going to get bothered on a bus. <laughs> Who said that? Gary Barlow. He goes, you might have girls and that, but I've got an Oyster card. <laughs> it's like, we've all got an Oyster card, Gary. It meant that he, at the time he was anonymous and he'd be able to get get around London all right and no one would bother him. And that was his sort of... Uh... That's fucking bleak. <laughs> uh, did, you, did you make us tea or not? Uh, well, I'd uh, like another wine glass of water, please. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, please, I'm genuinely please. We couldn't do this without you, Nat. Italy. Um, <laughs> but the fucking... Um, the Kiss... Uh, um, yeah, Ace Freely's mm. is fucking great. And basically, Gene Simmons has been really fucking out of order. So um, they're doing a retirement tour. They're, um so Ace Freely left the band like three or four times uh, in the 80s and uh, he, he was, had substance abuse problems and so did Peter Chris. And the whole point of them all wearing makeup in the first place was that they could live forever and be replaceable. But oh. Gene Simmons hates Ace Freely so much that uh, they replaced him with a guy called Tommy Thayer. Or Thayer, I'm not exactly sure how you say his name. Or Thayer's name. But um, yes. they replaced him with Tommy Thayer, who was basically the head of the Kiss fan club who used to come around Gene Simmons' house and clear out his gutters. <laughs> and they replaced Ace Freely. He's on all the albums now. And um, so he's. I can understand I'm, I'm needing someone reliable, but basically uh, Ace Freely has had quite a successful solo career, thank you, for as long as uh, he's left Kiss. And um, I've got my own mug, and you've got Natalie's. I've got Natalie's mug. Um, basically, he's he's had his own solo career for as, as long as, and he's the, he's the guy that wrote. Uh, no, he didn't write it. I, I found out it was a cover, but he did New York Groove. He made the New York Groove song famous. Do you know New York Groove? That's right. I think do I? Can we download New York Groove if we haven't got it? Or oh, have we got it? Um, uh, yeah, that's a really good song. Um, but it, it was done a few years before. Almost identically, but um, Ace Freely gives it an extra spin. Anyway, uh, a real quick um, story, which was that um, I was in my flat and the doorbell goes. It was just about Christmas time. And uh, I go up and I answer the door. And there's... uh, Have I I said this on air? I don't think I've said it on air. I don't know. I don't know where it's going. 
uh, an answer the door, and it's a courier, and uh, he's got a bottle of champagne and a box of chocolates, and he says, uh, uh, "Are you?" Um, I forgot his fucking name. Who was I uh, talking about before the song? Steve Keegan. No, uh, Julian Barrett. Julian Barrett. He says, "Are you uh, Julian Barrett?" Or he maybe he goes, uh, "Julian Barrett and Julia Davies," because they live together. Uh, and I was just like, "No, I'm." I'm, I'm, I'm Nick Helm. And he goes, oh, I've got this delivery. It's, uh, you know, he had a bottle of champagne and a box of chocolates. So I've got this delivery for Julia Barrett, Julian Barrett and Julia Davies. Uh, I said, well, uh, that, that's, that, that's not me. But it, I just sort of moved into my flat that year and I thought, could I be in Julian Barrett and Julia Davies' flat? Old flat. Am I living in their old flat, maybe? Thank you very much. Um, just got some tea. No, I didn't. I got a goblet of what? Water. A goblet of what? <laughs> I was going to say wine, but it's not. Anyway, so, so um, I thought maybe they used to live in my flat, and yeah. then I was just like, no, they don't. They don't live in my flat because once I was walking along Stoke Newington and I saw Julian Barrett going to like the local shop, and I just thought, oh, they must live around here, which was like the other side of town. So I was, and that town is London. Um, <laughs> London town. London town. It's a city, um, and don't and don't you ever forget it. Um, so, um, uh, so I was, uh, so I was just like, well, maybe it's not them. And anyway, I was thinking all of these things while this guy was in the door, and I said, no, 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 that's not them. Um, uh, and I said, uh, but hang on a minute, uh, they, is it, what? Who's the delivery from? Is the delivery from Baby Cow? Because uh, my name's Nick Helm, and I've worked with Baby Cow, but so have they. And it's Christmas, and it's like a Christmas delivery. And I was just like, so uh, is it possible that you've got, like, your name's mixed up, and maybe the delivery is actually for me, and you're going to go on to them next? And he said, no, no, I don't think so. This is for Julia, Julia Davis and uh, Julian Barrett. And I was like, fine. So I closed the door, and I went back down to my flat. And about... <coughs> About 30 seconds later, the um, <coughs> doorbell went, and I went back up and got it. And it was the courier at the door uh, with a bottle of champagne. And he says, are you Nick Elm? And I went, yeah. And he goes, this is for you. He gives me the bottle of champagne. I said, uh, what about the chocolates? And he goes, yeah, you don't get the chocolates. <laughs> uh, so I think, wow. I, I think maybe the chocolates were for uh, Julian. There you go. But there you go. But um, I'm, I, 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 there's just one of me. So That's I got a bottle. I did get a bottle of champagne, See but yourself. the but the chocolates. Oh my god, they were gourmet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna. Uh, what is the name of the reindeer in Frozen? The reindeer. Yeah. I don't even remember a reindeer in it. There's a snowman in it. It's uh, it's called like Oscar or something. When you know the, the snowman was called Olaf. Olaf. Um, when you know what the uh, reindeer is called, you'll go. Yeah, of course it was fucking called that. Oh really? <coughs> I did think that about the snowman. It's Nordic, to be fair. isn't it? Um, is he called? Um, um, it's the most fucking cliched, uh, stereotypical, racist name that you could call. Uh, what would I? What um, racist term would I call a Nordic person? Oh, probably. Let's not do this live on air. Uh, um, uh, for those listening at home, uh, Nathaniel can be quite racist. Yeah, when it comes to people. Anyone. Anyone, yeah, you're right. Anyone not of his ilk? <laughs> <sighs> um, I don't know. I don't know, Nick. Sven. Sven. Oh, well, that was a short round. <laughs> I've got a terrible tickle in my throat. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anyone's noticed yet. <coughs> <though>. <coughs>
Right. Good. Should every we week, out? every week I press the wrong fucking button. <laughs> Fan club tastic, plastic elastic, Jurassic. Uh, oh, Jurassic nice. doesn't rhyme, but uh, nice try. Lick my forehead and earlobe 42. <laughs> That's a good name. Five stars. Five stars. Good start. I enjoy the show. Nathaniel is so hilarious, and I love his stories about life and stuff. The other fella can be amusing too. I'd love to know if Nathan likes peaches. Who's Nathan? I don't know. Started well, uh, fell apart under the hoist of its own petard. (laughs) Likes Um, peaches. Keep on top. P.S. Could I come... Lick you. you or your quiet producer, you shoiter at. <laughs> well, lick my forehead and earlobe. It started strong and petered out. Uh, does anything peter in? It's Josh Widdicombe. It's some old material, isn't it? <laughs> it's very That's old. That's like 2008, isn't it, or something? Uh, I think it was, he was still doing it. <laughs> he did it, uh, still doing it in about 2012. Uh, thanks, Nick and Nat. Five stars, Another Gina. Five star. Gina Horrorhead. Uh, I think that basically they're trying to annoy me. I think they are uh, because Nathaniel is so hilarious. Uh, it's obviously something that's in there to d- designed to to chafe my ass. So <laughs> it has annoyed me. Has it chafed your ass. Uh, we used to say that all the time at uni. Chafe your ass. It, uh, yeah. What's wrong with chafing your ass? We did, perfect, we did Perfect I Movie know. last week, didn't we? We, we did. didn't talk about that. Perfect Movie, that was good. Oh, I really enjoyed You were fucking hilarious last week, Nat. Oh, good, thank you. Not um, today. <laughs> no, no, not today. Uh, but uh, <laughs> as per usual, I've kind of like, done most of the heavy lifting. Uh, no, no, I, I, I do talk a lot. Um, I, but do you know what, Nat? I spend most of the week not talking to anyone. <laughs> Especially just, this week. I, d- I am aware that I'm kind of like... Um, egocentric and I do talk all the time and I do every week come in thinking I won't do it this week and every week I leave feeling disappointed in myself oh. um, and I feel like I've done it again I've only fucking talked over him and when I listen back I think what a monster um, <laughs> and, I, and I genuinely um, I long for the day I'm too ill to come in and you can just do the show without me. I don't think I'd like to do it by myself, Nick. I think it'd be uh, a one. I think it'd be a bad show. Yeah, 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 whatever. Uh, so I enjoy the show. Nathaniel is so hilarious and I love his stories about life and stuff. Yeah, I know, but um, I just think there's something in there which, you know, I'm, I'm analysing it and it's fucked me off. Do I like because pages? they think that they're better than me. I enjoy the show. <laughs> Nathaniel is so hilarious and I love his stories about yeah, life and stuff. Be. He doesn't do the stories about life and stuff. I do the stories about life and stuff right the other fella can be amusing too the other fella's me right that's fucking annoying just right? mixed up. my name's Mick Melm and uh, I'd love to know if Nathan right so you fucked it up there but you mean Nathaniel do you like peaches uh, yeah, kind of. Like tinned peaches? So I think I prefer a tinned peach. Yeah, a, a fine. Way, we all do. Keep on top unless she's using that as a euphemism for vaginas which is what they do in Face Off don't they? Because I could, I could, I could suck on a peach all day long, and you just think, "Oh God, I hope the whole film's not like this." And it's not; it gets a lot worse. Because <laughs> just imagine, just imagine Nick Cage saying, "I could suck on a peach all day long," and now imagine John Travolta saying it. 
genre vaulting is what we used to call him, although I've always liked him and I especially liked him in Broken Arrow. P.S. Could I come lick? Oh, God. You or your quiet producer. You shite her. You sh- I mean, I've been approving that shout It's at. a five star review, but uh, just for the listeners at home, uh, if you're going to give us a, a five star review. review, don't. D- d- that is a one star, five star review, I would say. <laughs> We're reviewing you now, guys. And try, try a lot fucking harder. We put two hours in a week to this two hour show. I put in about an hour and a half a week into the two-hour show, <laughs> and uh, our 15. Okay, thanks, Nick and Nat. Five stars. Gina Horrorhead. Caught up with the last couple of shows today. Loved the interview with Van Ling. Really interesting. I agree. I really did find that super interesting. <laughs> and also really enjoyed the chat with Jim Hosking. Off the back of that, I watched The Greasy Strangler. This is what the show's for, isn't yeah. it? To like, introduce people into stuff. Um, one of the most disturbing films I've ever seen. Funny, but also absolutely disgusting. Absolutely Loved hearing correct. Nick and Esther talk about it. <laughs> absolutely correct. It's really funny, and also I think the most disgusting film I've ever seen. We had to do, uh, we didn't have to do, but there was that Twitter thing going on this week, of oh, top, yeah, yeah. top four films. I literally just went like, these are the four films that come into my mind yeah, instantly. I regretted writing them. What did I do? I did Army of Darkness, Tommy Boy, um, uh, Royal Ten of Arms, and I can't even remember what the other one was. I can't. That was it. I thought that's a good way to do it, actually. To go, what, what's immediately would you go, oh, there are these? Yeah. If it was a top ten, I would put The Good, The Bad and The Ugly, The Thing, if The Thing wasn't already on it. Oh, I put Deep Red on it. Oh, yeah, yeah. But The Deep Red is interchangeable, I think, with Also, thing. as soon as you said that, I was like, yeah, I mean, that would be in mine. The, the yeah. Deep Red is real. The, the Italian cut. Mm. And uh, Army of Darkness, the UK theatrical cut. The director's cut shit. Um... um but yeah, I mean, the Greasy Strangler would be on my top ten. Anyway, loved hearing Nick and Esther talk about Elephant, which I've watched lots of times, but had to watch again after hearing them talk about it, but also to get over the sick feeling I felt <laughs> after Greasy Strangler. Again. That is a good thing. Uh, if you do watch the Greasy Strangler and you want to get over the sick feeling, if you want a palate cleanser, <laughs> then uh, watch, the, watch uh, mine and Esther's short film Elephant. I adore Elephant, and it was the perfect end to my day. And it was the perfect end to my career. Uh, keep, <laughs> keep it light. Thanks, Gina. Um, what a lovely, what a lovely, a lovely one. Do you know what? And I agree. And I agree, uh, what a bloody lovely song. What a lovely, lovely, I say song, but but that review did read like a song in mm. a way, didn't it? I was just distracted by the fact that we're going to play a song now. Right, uh, we've got to get our guests on. Is there anything to clear up, to wrap up? Are we playing my song now? Uh, do you want it or do you want New York Groove? Let's play New York Groove. <laughs> <laughs> Can I have my song in there? Uh, we'll play your song. At, we'll play your song at the end. Okay. Uh, what's your song? It's uh, Love Me. Dudley Moore. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. Let's play that. Is that what you want? Well, yeah. It's where it's the Stanley. Stanley Donnan died this week. Who made Bedazzled and Singing in the Rain? Oh fucking it! Well, he's one of the directors of Singing in the Rain, right? Yeah. Well, I, I think Gene Kelly had a lot. A lot to do with it, didn't he? I mean, he was such—he's such a good-looking, gorgeous, talented man. He's quite—he's quite a muscular man-man, as Gene, well, isn't he? Gene for Kelly, a, for yeah. a dancer. But he's, he's such a, a fucking fascist that Is he? Uh, he was. Yeah, I mean, he was such a fascist that he ended up getting a directorial credit. I mean, he probably did that. He did. He, he I mean, did. He, he directed it. Did. He did direct it. But he was—he was a perfectionist, difficult to work with. But when you see him in the film. 
you know, it's, it's, worth it. it's difficult to believe. He's so charming and 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 uh, and good-looking and gorgeous that it's difficult to believe that he was uh, uh, calling his co-stars cunts two seconds before he yelled action. Love me! Love me! Love me! Nick and Nat's fan club on Fubar Radio. Oh uh, yeah, we're back. Why did we play that song? Because the guy died that directed Stanley the film. Stanley Dunn and directed Bedazzled. Yeah, so. but he didn't write the song, right? No. Nah, he didn't direct nah. the song. No. Nah. No. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> well, just saying, it was fine, but it's no New York groove. Um, uh, we're joined in the studio now by uh, uh, comedians. And uh, do you class yourself a comedian still? Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like... <laughs> I mean, I'm not match I fit. Can't, I can't hear Katie through my... Oh, no. Can you hear me? You're not oh. match fit. I'm not match fit. Um, but you're a novelist, a writer. Yeah. A, a novelist? Uh, yeah. Hello, we're joined in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start again. Uh, there's, there's, this is why... I'm not going to put in more work than I have to in this show, <laughs> but it looks like I haven't put in the work that I had to. Um, so, we're <laughs> uh, joined in the studio by uh, two of the uh, drunk women solving crimes yeah. uh, Katie Wilkins and Taylor Glenn Hello. Uh, Taylor you are Hi. our first ever, ever returning guest oh my goodness thanks <laughs> no thank you genuinely honoured by that wow no yeah. we're, we're honoured it's Aww. very it, it fills us with absolute joy to uh, to welcome two people that are involved in a much more successful podcast than our own. It isn't the podcast. It's a oh, live it's a radio, radio show. It's a live, live radio, radio show. <laughs> it, it becomes a podcast. podcast. Um, it, it is a bit of a downer actually having you on. So um, <laughs> if you could just fan our egos a little bit, that would be great. Um, oh, I love you guys. It's so good to be back. Oh, that, that's, not just, just, that's, that's not just uh, anyone saying it. It's returning <laughs> guest Taylor. <Taylor-Gay. laughs> Uh, first um, ever returning guest. First ever returning guest. <laughs> and uh, uh, so, Katie, um, yes. uh, Taylor, you've been on before, so uh, just, I'm just going to be silent yeah, just, just, for the next <laughs> 20 minutes. Just uh, enjoy your tea <laughs> and uh, pi- pipe, pipe down for a moment. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so, Katie, uh, we have known each other for almost our entire careers as yeah. comedians. So Eleven years. We did a show together in two thousand and eight. Was did. it two thousand seven? Uh, eight. No, eight. I think we maybe met in 07 but we did the we show. We met in 07. In 07, <laughs> 07. In 07 I did the super good comedy good show with Saz oh, Campbell and Ronnie McGuire. Awesome. And uh, it was a three hander, and uh, I believe I closed. But uh, <laughs> so the next year, I compared for you, yes. Hannah and Richard Bond. Hannah, right. Hannah George, that is. Hannah George. Uh, as a woman with uh, two first names. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and the third drunk woman. Oh, my God. And the third drunk woman. And she has been on. So next time what we'll do is uh, we'll get Katie and Hannah <laughs> on, and then all of you have done two. Yeah. And it'll be the silent women saying nothing. <laughs> podcast. All yeah. right, all right, Taylor. Um, <laughs> I might just, uh, just which microphone, <laughs> which microphone is Taylor on? I to bring it down. <laughs> okay. Um, so, uh, so what are you, Katie? Because you write. What are you? Uh, have you, have you? Have you got anything to plug? Uh, oh yeah, actually. Um, yeah, do we do that now? <laughs> I, I find that if we get it out of the way now, we can just mention it again later if we remember. Oh, okay. So my new book, When Good Geeks Go Bad, 
uh, came out this January. It's a middle grade book for sort of 10 to 14 year olds, sort of PG um, young adult. There's no swearing. There's no fuck or cunt in it. That's right. Are <laughs> <laughs> you? Do you feel now? <laughs> There's no fuck or cunts that's, in it. That's uh, how I pitched it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if you want to. Katie's fans listening in. Yeah. <laughs> there might be some words that you might need to look up in a dictionary and, uh, yeah, they're just and the meanings of. Parental yeah. guidance. So that's the thing now, right? So 10 to 14. So what was the name? It's pr- so not pre. Taylor, you can talk. I feel bad. Um, no, you're taking me right back to my childhood and I'm going to sit in the corner. Oh, well, in many suck. ways, uh, people, people say that's one of my gifts. Uh, <laughs> I was just going to say it's a great book and actually a lot of, because I I hang around the parent circuit a little (laughs) bit, so a lot of people, uh, Katie kindly signed some copies for my friends, for their kids, and they're all loving it. It's just a very wonderful, relatable book. It, it, to be honest, you said the age range, but it's also on my level. I'm really into yeah. that age range at the moment. Reading. Yeah, oh, yeah. How long did it take you? Oh, to yeah, read that's it? my fan. That's the thing oh, I'm hang a fan on, of. Hang on, hang on. We're still at our show. You're not just here to have a chat. You could have had that chat in the fucking green room. Right? When I'm asking a fucking question, you do not talk over me. I don't care what you do on your fucking show. All right? Right? I'm sober as a fucking judge. Hammered. <laughs> Gaveled. Um, so, um, fucking... Give him a minute. So, uh, how long did it take you to read, Taylor? Katie's book? Yes. Well, I mean, I read it over two days, but it didn't take the full 48 yeah, hours. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like maybe a couple of hours you could read it in. And if you're a child? Oh, I'm really embarrassed. Well, I think I was going to say it took me four, but oh, if you're well, no, maybe, well, it's like, a it's, little quicker. It's 40,000 words. Oh, is that how the, you do it? Yeah. <laughs> you go, it's got to be 40,000 yeah. words. What was my dissertation? My dissertation oh. dissertations are like 10,000 words, aren't they? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So it's like four dissertations. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Do you have audio books for them? Uh, do you know what? I there is going to be one for this. So the first four books, the My Best Friend and Other Enemy series, which are also funny books, and they're for eight to twelve year olds. Um, and Taylor. They never and for Taylor, and they <laughs> didn't have um, audio. But the new one is going to have audio, and I think it's coming out soon. Actually, Ooh. how do they? Are make you doing decisions? the audio? No. That's a fucking bullshit, Katie. You've got one of the most beautiful voices I've ever heard. Do you know what? They, um, I've not spoken of this before. They did ask me, oh. and I said no because I was too scared that I'd do a shit job. Oh, oh God. Katie, what are you fucking talking no. about? But you have to go back and change <laughs> your mind and then their minds you again. Do. You've got yeah. an exceptional timbre. I thank you. Good use of timbre. Thank you very much. <laughs> the, only, the only way to use it, really. I, I never know, know how much you're really <laughs> on timbre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I you know it's I mean? like macabre. Yeah. yeah, macabre. Is it macabre or is Tom. it macabre? That's oh. what my dad does. It's macabre. So that can be the right It is way. macabre. <laughs> but <laughs> I realise that I only know the pronunciation of macabre because of uh, the beginning of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> and he says macabre. Oh, very good. And it's not macabre, it's macabre because I looked it up on Google because I needed to use it. What's the other one that everyone always gets wrong? A hyperbole. And it's oh. hyperbole. Yeah. Who says hyperbole? I used to say hyperbole. Oh, I thought it's like sorry. some futuristic Very sport. I used to mispronounce um, apartheid. How? I used to call it. You thought it was a party. <laughs> You're like, what's everybody complaining about? I called it apathet. 
Apathetic. That's fine. Yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> That's fine. I mean, I didn't know what it really was. What was the What was the occasion where you learnt it? Was an embarrassing thing when you said um, it? Oh, it was fucking during when you were hosting that Nelson Mandela speech <laughs> evening. <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> you were closing that, weren't you? <laughs> I was closing. I was, I was uh, opening and closing. Right. It was weird. Right. Uh, <laughs> God, Nelson did a good job. <laughs> but uh, he covered for Katie getting Arpathed Arpathed if anyone listening at home if uh, if you mispronounce any words uh, why don't you uh, pop it in a tweet and let us know and we'll read some of them <laughs> we'll try and read some of them out at the end of the show <laughs> <laughs> um, so we've never done that before uh, we've never done that before, but I'm interested to know how many listeners we actually have. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've been asking for uh, nigh on ten months, and she keeps saying, "No, you're doing very well." But um, what they won't tell you? Well, fucking Rich Rich Wilson, not that one, has uh, released the podcast, and he's number twenty seven in the podcast charts, and it makes me I think. Makes me think that uh, if he can be number twenty seven on <laughs> on the podcast charts, then why the fuck? <laughs> Why the fuck is something that's just as solidly good with consistently uh, good guests yeah. and returning excellent guests? Um, I find that the best way of doing this show is to just <laughs> tell the guests how good they are but not let them talk <laughs> and prove that they're good. Do you just like go, hey, they're so good. you got such a lovely voice, Katie. But don't use it. Um, got such a lovely voice, Katie. What? It's got a wonderful lilt to it. Thank you. Not a <laughs> So I'm annoying myself. This is one of those things that on the way home, I will hang my head. What is Rich Wilson's podcast about? Oh, it's about fucking men with mental health issues. Has anyone <laughs> ever listened to Fan Club? It's a fucking... It's, it's called it's, Insane it's in the Membrane. Insane in the Membrane. And you go, yeah, yeah, sure. Sure, but that in a way that's what this show is about. Mm. But not explicitly. Well, you're not <laughs> no. wearing it. You're not wearing it on your sleeve. You've got to do a bit of digging yourself. But you will find test. out every week. <laughs> yeah. I'm off the pills, <laughs> and I'm feeling pretty good. I'm not. I'm moving out. It's a fucking nightmare. Oh, wow. You don't want to hear about my shit. So <laughs> that's what. <laughs> I'm overexcited. I'm so happy to see you, Kate. <laughs> I think the last time I saw you was four years ago when we went out for lunch. Oh, yeah, with my baby. Mm. Yeah. Aww. And now she's four, yeah. yeah. I would say you are probably our most requested guest, what? Katie. As we, we request to Natalie. And she always says, no way. No <laughs> way. So you know. I reckon since I think you're on our initial list of people, right? Aww. So that would be ten, ten months ago. Or That's maybe amazing. Taylor. It's taken a while. Yes. I've Taylor. Yes. I'm like, every time I look at you, I'm like, I'm not supposed to look at you. This is oh, yeah, sick. you've been told not to look at me. Like, this is unprecedented. Where is the camera that it ruins? I've been ignored so much. They're just breaking my... off into their own show over there. We've got two separate shows. Okay. Wow. Well, yeah. what, what number does it say it's on your microphone? It's a spin-off. Um, It'll say here on the, on the joint here. Oh, uh... Just, it should say here, right here. On the here. Yeah, yeah. This is great radio. I'm gonna need, <laughs> I'm gonna need copy Front of two. this footage of Katie <laughs> just surrounding the microphone back and forth, just looking. Sad I mean, sad. I can't and see it either. There's no number on it. it what well, number is Katie's uh, microphone? Two. Two. Oh, two. Oh, is it two? And uh, uh, and Nats is three, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Oh, I see. So <laughs> Taylor. <laughs> yes. Hi. <laughs> 
What letter is assigned to Will Smith's character in Men in Black? Oh, wow, I don't remember. Um, Your mic's not on that. Q? Oh, I know. I really don't remember. I'll put them back on. I can shout! (laughs) Is it K? No. Isn't it? M. It's not Q. X. What's what's the likelihood, K-E? P. In in another franchise other than James Bond, they've called one of the main characters M. I don't know. Very slim. (laughs) What's the main character in your book? The new book. Yes, um, her name is Ella. That's it's weird because Ella is the is the name of the characters that I've written in my book. Good. <laughs> it's Jay. Jay. God, they're exceptionally hard mm. but easy this week. Mm. Katie. I forgot about Will the Smith's yeah. 2007. Well, I love movie. Will Smith, don't they? I mean, this has been shuffled as well. Will Smith's <laughs> 2007 movie, I Am Legend, yeah. is set in which us city, US city? Us. <laughs> Um, I haven't seen that film. It's the Wild West. I mean, take it. No, it's not the Wild That's West. That's the Wild Wild West. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh wait, no, he's a superhero that can't die. That's Hancock. It's Los Angeles. Uh, do you want me to give you the multiple choices? Yes. Is it A. New York, B. Washington, C. Philadelphia, or D. Chicago? Ah, uh, Chicago. Why did you say that? <laughs> I'm trying to picture. I think I have seen it years ago, and he. It's New York. It's in New York. Okay, it's New York or LA. Is... I'm sorry, I went with the. Who provides? I don't know how to form the letters of New York. <laughs> 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 I was like, how do you do an N? Well, what did they? Yeah, you're right. It's hard, isn't it? You can't it's... see the shape. <laughs> what's interesting about uh, what's interesting about uh, that? I Am Legend. Yeah, it was made by Warner Brothers. Uh, what's interesting about I Am Legend? Um, I know what you're, you're going to say. I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say. You know I, I bet mean, I know what you're going to say. Okay, you say it. Is it that it's set in the future and one of the film posters at the cinema is for Superman versus Batman? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was because it was going to come out in 2008 and then it got shelved. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. It, <coughs> I Am Legend came out... In 2007. 2007. But it was set in the production. In production was uh, Batman versus Superman. Right. Right? At Warner Brothers. Yeah. And I Am Legend comes out and it's set in an apocalyptic future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in in one of the street scenes in New York, there's a poster for Batman versus Superman in the background. Okay. But it never came. Their idea was that it was like a little in-joke. But also, that (coughs) looks like maybe in the distant future where it's set, that film does exist. It does exist, Katie. And now it does. It, right. came out, it came out three years ago. No, I see what yeah. you mean. Like it could but only like, exist. Yeah, but you said that in, in a, a way that's that fallen apart, though. Okay, maybe that's the. Subtext, I think basically, right? when people watch Batman vs Superman, that is what brought on the apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. Well, it can't be disproved. Um, with <laughs> well, it can be because it hasn't <laughs> happened. What um, is I Am Legend? The one where he's a superhero that can't die. That's and Hancock. He, oh, okay. I don't think I've seen. I Am Legend. <laughs> It's about a. It's, a bit about, it's like a zombie. Yeah, I definitely haven't seen it. It's the third. I haven't it's either. The, it's the third remake of uh, Richard, the Richard Matheson novel "I Am Legend." The first okay. one was "The Last Man on Earth," starring Vincent, Vincent Price. Price. The okay. second one was <laughs> "Amiga Man," starring Charlton Heston, and the third one was "I Am Legend," starring Will Smith. About at one point, it was yeah. to be directed by Ridley Scott and starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, which, oh, uh, wow. I, which I was really looking forward to you wow, don't like a different Arnie. vibe 
Um, I am a big fan of Kindergarten Cop. I think that's his finest work. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I do. I remember liking that. I enjoy that film. I I think that was the first Arnie film that you could see at the cinema if you were my age. That was the first. I've realised that doesn't. No, it wasn't. Twins. Twins. I remember, and it was in direct competition with DuckTales the movie. Oh, yeah. And did you have to make that choice? (laughs) Kindergarten Cop was a 12. Arguably, same target audience. Uh, yeah. I also like DuckTales um, the movie was a you true it's not lies. the same target audience if you if you were writing a book for a, a you audience yeah. and you did it with a 12 and there was one fuck in it allowed then you would be you kicked mean? out the bloody authors I guild I was nine and I would I not have actually been allowed to see it then no then how come I breaking see the law see it, it on video did you no, see it on video they probably would have just let you in they probably would have just let you in I saw some. I saw some twelves when I was ten. I don't yeah. mind telling you guys. <laughs> well, I, Katie, I, you're very tall. You were probably just mistaken. Yeah. Were, you, were you tall back then? Yeah. We've always been tall. Were you born tall? Were you a long baby? Yeah. <laughs> people like used to say to my mum oh, that, that she had weird. my age. If wrong. you were giving birth to a long baby, you know, and it's just like she, she's, she's, she's keeps coming. Like she's pulling. <laughs> she's been pulled. There's the head. There's the shoulders. Yeah. Very. Are you a long body? Yeah. I'm, I'm a long body. Maybe yeah. like that. I've got short legs, but a long um, body. The I, don't, I don't fit into roller coasters. Really? Because my body's so long. Okay. I'm tall. I'm six foot. Do so you have you? a long torso? I've got, I Is that what you mean? Are we not listening to each other today? <laughs> I'm a long specifics. body. I'm a long body. But you said you have short legs. I've got sh- a, lo- a long body. The body's long and you've got short legs. Yeah, so yeah, a long so torso. I don't count my legs as body. Really? Count them as legs. Wow. If I'm going to eat, uh, a ch- <laughs> if I'm going to eat Your a chicken, <laughs> if I'm going to eat a chicken or a turkey, right? <laughs> they say, do you want what, what part of the chicken do you want to eat? I say, I'd like to eat the body. <laughs> <laughs> the body, please. I'd like. I'm all about the body when it comes to chicken. <laughs> what do you have for dinner? A body of chicken. If you, if <laughs> That's not creepy. If you go into. If you if you go into like a, a butcher's and they say what part of the pig would you like I always say I'd like the trotters because if I said I wanted uh, just any old bit of meat you'd end up with a bit of body that's, that's, that's not what so I want so you go to KFC anyway I'm a long body long body so I went I went to uh, I went to Euro Disney in September where okay. there were no queues because all the kids were back at school Ooh. and I went on Space Mountain nine times in a row all by yourself uh, with my girlfriend at the time okay um, sorry we're no longer right was she a long body no she was perfect well so um, <laughs> we went on it nine times in a row and wow uh, uh, and a month later I got uh Whiplash. I was gonna say, there's no way you're not injured after no, all that. Was that how long your body was that it took <gasps> well, nine months for the whiplash to? It took a month for the. We're not. We're just not listening, are we? Uh, it took one month. I went on it nine times. You're getting things confused. Um, you, it, it took nine months for uh, Katie's mother to create a long-bodied Katie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't think it takes. <laughs> Well, <laughs> um, but she came out like a piece of spaghetti, um, but a really long piece of spaghetti. Because if you think about it, a piece of spaghetti is only about as long as your shin. 
So, <laughs> for context, um, but now because I was body. because I was a long body, yeah. right? Um, and I'm going to keep saying it till it <laughs> till it takes off, right? Because I was a long body, right? My legs, obviously, my little my little my little legs, uh, they fit in the roller coaster very very well. But because my body's so long, yeah, uh, that when you click click down the actual uh, uh, roller coaster protector protection shield. The shoulder bars, the ones that, yeah. you know. He the, really took the Space Mountain thing yeah. seriously. The, yeah. the protector of, shield. The sort of, uh, well, we were going into we space, We were going Taylor. into the vortex. Yeah, yeah. You'd think that I would be taking it seriously if I was going into Galactic. So, <laughs> <laughs> you're so embarrassed to be with me today. <laughs> um, I'm just so excited to be out of the house. Oh, it's just difficult at the moment. How did you know? <laughs> anyway, the the, the 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 bar that it comes down over your shoulders. Yeah. It's in the wrong place for you. It was in the it was it pinched my shoulder, so oh. I had to sit oh, at a hunched. little bit. I had to hunch at an angle. So when you're going at such a velocity, you know, oh. we were going at G force. <laughs> 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 and uh, when you get such a velocity, I was hunched over. And also, you know, uh, my girlfriend, uh, God bless her, she said, if we sit at the back, we'll get rattled around even harder. And so we sat at the back. Um, oh, no. And um, I was probably right at the back. And, um, yeah, a month later, I uh, was hunched over. Uh, uh, we were watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre in bed. She was just about to go to Australia for two weeks. And uh, You thought, oh, macabre. Yeah, that's a callback. That's fan club. It it disrupts the flow of the story. (laughs) Um, But um, (laughs) so, so at the beginning of the film, I was fine, and by the end of the film, I was hunched over like a prawn. (laughs) And uh, my girlfriend put me in the car, and she drove me to A and E. And that's the last time you saw her. Where they, where they basically said, uh, you've got torticollis. You need to take tramadol for a fortnight. Isn't that addictive? I'm still on it. <laughs> really? Oh, tramadol. Fucking hell. So anyway, so, I, so uh, it's worth punching yourself in the face to get on it. It's fucking brilliant. Um, so I was on, uh, for any listeners at home, do not take tramadol. Unless, actually, unless it's uh, being medicated by the script. all they told you to do? Like, no treatment? They said, right, they, it wasn't whiplash at the time, it was torticollis. And then, what um, is torticollis? It's like apartheid. They said, if you've been in that. Torticollis. Portcollis. Torticollis. It was, um, uh, it wasn't diagnosed as whiplash at the time. They said, have you been in a car crash? And I was just like, no. And I couldn't think of what it was. And it was Space Mountain. No, Space Mountain. Nine times, baby. <laughs> Hunched over like a prawn. My name's Nick. <laughs> Mick Melm. And um, uh, anyway, so I, I got back to the flat. And then my girlfriend got in a car and drove to the airport. And so I had to be on Tramadol for two weeks. And she went to Australia for two weeks. My parents were out of the country in France. And my sister didn't really want to help me. Um, she came over and she made a big thing about the fact she was coming over, let alone the fact that I couldn't feed myself or clean myself or even toilet myself. It was a really rough fortnight. This is why I don't go to Disneyland. This is the I main reason. I, 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 there's not one day that goes by that I don't think about getting to Disneyland. 
Would you go back after all of that? I would, would go, go on back? Space Mountain again. You'd go on Space Mountain Nine again times. and hunch over. I wouldn't. I wouldn't hunch over. You, you have no choice, Nick. You're still a you long body. You got a long body. body. Once you're a long body, you're always a long Did body. Did the Tortocollis cure your long I body? I like the way long body's catching on in it the studio. It is caught the fuck on. <laughs> it has. We're all excited about. I'm going to say it all over the place. Uh, <laughs> just uh, so we get an idea of uh, our listenership, uh, if you've got a long body, tweet in. <laughs> so long body sounds like a Dickens character. It does. Yeah, yeah, well, there was like that a king a called Longshanks. There was. Because he had a long body. No, oh. he had long uh, ankles. He was tall as well. Uh, the shank is an ankle. Is it? So, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah. he had long ankles. Mm, that's, that's the why part of a chicken I like to eat. That's no. why they called him Edward Longshanks. Maybe it was because the, his ankles were huge. Legs. No, it wasn't his legs. <laughs> if you see the pictures of the on the Bayeux tapestry, you'll see that Edward Longshanks... <laughs> Had the longest of all. Could you get the bear tapestry up? If you get the bear tapestry up, right, a lot of people think a lot of people think that that's the border, but it's not. It's his ankles. They couldn't fit his rest of him on. <laughs> uh, he's not on the bear tapestry. It was uh, centuries before his time, or after. I don't know. Can we look that up? So, uh, what was the first film that you snuck into, Katie? Um, Underage. I don't know. Probably a fifteen, and I was probably like. The, no, well, if we're not counting, what's it called? <coughs> Kindergarten Cop. Kindergarten yeah. Cop. Probably, probably some horror film, some fifteen horror. So vague. What about you, yeah. Taylor? <laughs> <laughs> it didn't make an impression. I really don't know. I can remember the first R-rated, what we call R-rated film For that sure. I watched, but it was at home. I don't remember sneaking in. What's the equivalent of R-rated? Well, Is that fifteen or eighteen? It's, it's both. Well, it's kind of both actually, okay. because. Well, no, PG-13 maybe is more... Well, it PG says 13, 13, so that indicates it's not 15. But I think it's sort of in the same... PG's like a 12. Yeah. But yeah, what yeah. you find now is that um, 15s are more like 12s. Mm. And 18s are a lot more like 15s now. Right. Because basically uh, you get a larger audience. Uh, okay. So, okay. Um, so, like, Deadpool is, an R, is R-rated. Okay. But it's a 15 over here. Right, right. But, it's, but when it's R-rated, mm. it means that... Ki- and I don't really understand, but um, it means that kids have to be accompanied by an adult, like a PG. That's yeah. an R-rated. But if it's R-rated, uh, they, it's, a, it's a harder sell. Okay. Which I think is really weird, because R-rated is basically... Anyone can see it. But yeah. but if you're under 17, you have to be accompanied by an adult. Okay. But which is what a 15? Which is what, what a, what a, what a 12 a, a is. Yeah. Which, which is what a 12. But it is what a 12 a is. It is. But it is the equivalent of an 18. Okay. It's kind of because it's the top. Well, then it's X-rated, and then it's which is adult, and then uh, and then it's unrated, which you don't want it unrated because that means most cinemas won't. It's not that people won't go and see it. It's most cinemas won't Which, show it. Well, what does unrated mean? <coughs> I think it's or unclassified. It's when, um, it's when they say uh, you send your film in and uh, then the, the film board go, well, you need to make this cut and this cut and this cut in order to get an R rating. And uh, the director goes, not making any cuts. And then said, right, we can release it, but it's not going to be unrated. Okay. And the studio will go, well, no, cinemas want to take that. So you've got to make the cuts. Okay. But someone like Steven Spielberg, it works the other way, where he'll make stuff like Jaws and yeah. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, and they'll be released as a PG. Right. Even though they're like fucking... Uh, yeah, they're shocking and they're yeah. gory and they're bloody and they're, like, horrific. Yeah. Uh, but they'll be released as PGs because he's got a good relationship with the, with the 
Temple of mm. Doom is Board actually when they started using PG-13. After after Temple of Doom, yeah. they had so many complaints that I think that they did. And I think the f- not even because it was racist, just because, <laughs> just because there was some they blood. pull some hearts out of people. That's interesting yeah. that once you're over twelve, racism is all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, right it's, 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 more, it's more stereotypes than racism. Um, but yes, I, I understand. Um, I don't like that film at all. It's terrible in an otherwise delightful franchise. Uh, well, out of four films, there's two good ones. Agreed. Although I didn't hate the most recent one as much Me as either. everyone Me did. I, watched I didn't it. hate it. I hated it, Is but I watched one it again. Where he hides in a fridge to escape. Yeah. A glass? Don't don't have a problem yeah. with that. I it's don't ridiculous. That. It's ridiculous, <laughs> but I enjoyed it. You it's know? no more ridiculous than a ghost turning up at the end of Last Crusade and giving yeah. him immortality. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Or the Nazis getting burned again. alive by the power of God in a box. <laughs> you know, it's like that's true. That's I liked that they brought back what is the actress's name? Karen. Karen, Karen Allen. Allen. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, just yeah. great to see her again. It was because she's she's my favorite. She still basically looks exactly the same. She as looks, well. Yeah, but she was so happy to be there. It's just like stop <laughs> smiling so much, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> You're not meant to look like you've Give just cashed a, a check. <laughs> you know. <laughs> It's like, so you're like, give us a frown load <coughs> kind of guy. Well, her like character- that's your cat call. Give us a frown. Her character in the first, her, her character in the first one was really sassy and kind yeah. of like argumentative, yeah, yeah, yeah. and she'd beat up Indy and all of that stuff. True. In, this, in, in, in the Crystal Skull, she's just delighted to be working, and you go, oh god. That's so, very true. Actually, she had like just too well, much. We, <laughs> we don't know if that was a director's note or not. Like. Do you uh, think d- that di- was her it, ignoring? The director didn't... Have, Steven Spielberg didn't really want to make that film. George Lucas wanted to make that film. Okay. Steven Spielberg didn't really want to. I love that you've got the inside scoop <laughs> on Yeah. <laughs> what do you think I do all week? <laughs> <laughs> why, why are you Katie Wilkins yeah. in... Or you're Katie Wilkins on Drunk Women, but you're yeah. Catherine Wilkins... Well, fun story. I mean, it's not a fun story, but basically, they, my publishers wanted something to differentiate my adult themes of an adult nature stand up and my PG young adult. Because you've got a bit of a snaggle tooth, don't you? So when you're sucking cock, <laughs> uh, you that's an old bit of your material. It isn't is. It? That was class, classic. <laughs> classic material. Classic Wilkins. <laughs> I'm so glad that was part of your old material because I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> that's fan club. Where did that segue come from? <laughs> um, it was really, it was like the rudest stand up routine I'd ever heard up to that point. I was just like, oh, wow. <laughs> It was, uh, yeah. I know. Do I'm they get on you for your Twitter account? Like, do you ever tweet anything that they would like? Do they monitor yeah. you no, at um, all? You know, it's a weird fine line. I am a bit more mindful now. Like, they, okay. I took down all my videos when I when the first book, book got published oh. in 2012. <coughs> um, I had because I tell that Snaggletooth blowjob story on like there's this video of me w- winning the gong show in 2008 and um, it's at the, uh, l- the lion's com- den or no the comedy it store. was the comedy store one um, and <coughs> I had it up because it was you know I actually back in the olden days of the noughties I even got work off the back of it like mm. people would be like oh I saw that video blah 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 um, come and do this squaddy gig. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> then, like it was really. Good and at the time, you go in. Well, that seems like a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> well, where's the microphone? To... Microphone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You're going to be wearing this. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh man but um <laughs> the, the idea of it <laughs> they already want anyway I wouldn't but, do um, a squatty did they kick. make you take the video down was, though or did you choose well, to it was I feel like that it was it wasn't I think reading between the lines, they did want me to take it down, um, mm. but they actually didn't tell me to. But I think, oh, okay, I, I, I get the message. And are you aware of having like followers on Twitter who are very young? You have young kids who follow I you. D- I mean, I possibly do, but you can't really tell their ages. Yeah. Um, I ask every single one of my followers <laughs> what their age is, just to. I mean, is there, <laughs> just, is just, there an just in case age limit on? Because you have to be thirteen for Facebook. Although I'm oh, sure nobody gives are. a shit about that, though, yeah, do yeah. they? But um. <sighs> Yeah, I don't know. It could blow up in my face one day. But uh, well, J.K. Rowling is like very political and outspoken, isn't she? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And if you're a young Harry Potter fan... Yeah. Uh, She's awesome. Sure. Oh, God, that's not what you're going to say. No, that's <laughs> not what I'm saying. If you're a young Harry Potter fan, then, um, you know, you might have different... What political views? Political there? views or thought processes to J.K. Rowling. I'm not like saying I don't have an opinion on it. I'm just like saying that not everyone agrees with the same things, do they? And so, yeah. if J.K. Rowling can just say whatever she wants, then why can't you? Yeah, yeah. But no, she I'm will sure. automatically have a wider thing, right? That's like anything, though, isn't it? Well, she's actually using Harry Potter as a platform in order to say the political things, mm. as opposed to. I don't know. She writes other stuff too. Oh yeah, now I oh, guess yeah. that's finished. Isn't yeah, yeah, she? yeah. She of course, of course, she writes other stuff too. Go on. No, just no. Like, <laughs> name, name I love what of her that other crime book. I read her the Casual Vacancy one. That's I haven't it. read her crime ones, but um, didn't she have like a pen name? Yeah, Robert. Bra- yeah, Browning. I want to say KJ Browning. I don't. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what it was. I love her on Twitter. Was it a male? Was it a male alias? Yeah. Yes. <gasps> yeah. And then someone outed her. Wow, I didn't. Know Although J.K. Yeah, Rowling well, could be somebody either, outed her. Yeah, yeah. Do you think well, that, it was that was a deliberate ploy was so it? that boys would read her books? Oh. Yeah. Do you think it was her PR company that outed her because she wasn't selling enough books <laughs> under a complete stranger <laughs> that had just started publishing well, stuff? Apparently, because she got outed super early, it was difficult to actually tell. But it was well it's respected, definitely PR. by critics. Yeah, it was all. It did all come out first, didn't it? So people were. It yeah. did like it was well liked, I think, before. This is it, the uh, new, yeah, but this is the yeah. It's not selling though. Yeah, yeah. Sure. This is the new J.K. Rowling book, guys. Uh, it just looks like it's by a dude. <laughs> That's what they would have done. Oh no, I think that probably I, there probably wasn't. I don't wasn't know why of... I'm being such an asshole today. I really <laughs> like J.K. Rowling in theory. <laughs> I'm, I'm, to be fair, I've not said anything anti-J.K. Rowling. No, you're um, just playing devil's advocate. Advocar. <laughs> There was that thing, though, like, talking about separating <coughs> adult stuff and kids mm-hmm. stuff um, and talking about outing people, that, um, did you ever, do you follow Zoe Margolis on Twitter? She she was a sex blogger. Who's this? Zoe Margolis. Oh, yeah, yeah, and she was anonymous as well, right? She was anonymous while. as Girl with a One Track Mind, and, the, like, her blog was getting millions of hits, she got a book deal, and then somebody at the Times outed her. Um, and it like all blew up. It was like this whole thing, and like all the headlines because she was a she was a filmmaker and she worked on oh, Batman and Harry Potter. So one of the which head- Batman? Um, I don't probably one around about somewhere around oh four oh six begins. Um, and um, she, but basically this, this headline said um, by day she made Harry Potter, by night she wrote about sex. 
and they really try to make a big deal of the sensationalism of the fact that she... How dare a woman mm. be yeah, able to yeah. deal with children and, and sex? Yeah. To be fair, that was, that was it's, it's hard for men to do that. Well, I know, because like... To do what? To, to juggle sex and children. <laughs> <laughs> Historically, there's not a lot of female uh, DJs from the 1970s that have been (laughs) put in prison. (laughs) But then, you know, when um, Peter Capaldi was um, Doctor was announced that he was going to be Doctor Who. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You could just type his name into YouTube and you get all those videos of him swearing oh, yeah, yeah. as that guy. And no Malcolm one, Tucker. Yeah, no one cares. Like, well, he was famous that, for... But they only care if it's like a woman. Yeah, sure. Um, I find all of that really weird. Uh, obviously, um, I mean, we're all here because of sex. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, might as well enjoy some it. Some long, some short. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about, oh right, yeah. Yeah, either. Our bodies. Either. I thought you were talking about, doesn't matter. It was kind so, of a double entendre. <laughs> it was a double entendre. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now my eye is itching. I'm falling apart. Oh, Nick. Oh, Nick. <laughs> what can we do? Spin-off show. Oh, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking. Okay. Just think, I'm just considering it. <laughs> I'm the O-Man. <laughs> Hey, hey, listeners! You're listening to Nick the O Man Hell. Oh, and you're listening to another edition of O Nick. Uh, here's my theme tune. <laughs> it's not really. It's the only thing I had at hand, uh, but it's very good. You haven't put the cheering on anymore. What happened to the cheering? It doesn't matter. Natalie <laughs> had- last week had an applause button. Amazing. We, we, we found an applause button. It's gone. We don't Aww. deserve it this week. Uh, was it overused? We've taken it away. <laughs> what's the quickest you've ever Did read you a book Did you abuse in? the applause button, Nat? Probably a couple of hours. Oh, we only had it for one week. What was the question? I'm so sorry. What's the quickest you've ever read a book in? It depends what size book. Yeah, huh? like, I mean... Oh, God, um, I wasn't expecting the fucking third degree from, from my co-host, Nathaniel. I, I mean, if you don't like a picture book, you might right, go... stop grilling me! <laughs> I've already said my eye is itchy, I've got a permanent cough, I'm sniffling, I've got a cold, I'm not very well, you know, I've hiked myself in all the way from around the corner... <laughs> Slightly longer for you. I read Carrie by Stephen King in one evening. Wow. I stayed up late reading it, but I remember that that book really, like, blew me away. That took me me a couple of nights to get through. And by the book, I mean the film. (laughs) Uh, Which film, though? There's many versions of it. Uh, The Brian De Palma. Um, (laughs) It's a very good film. Um, I've not read the... uh, my, uh, My mate came over to my house when we were younger with his girlfriend neither of them were very bright and we were sat in my bedroom and I had loads of, I had like a shelf with like videos and stuff on it and uh, we were like well what should we watch and she kept like saying well let's watch Carrie and I was like I don't have Carrie and she's just like going, yeah you do it's there and I was like that's a book <laughs> <laughs> It was bigger than all the others. It was like a hardback book that also had the Tommy Knockers in it. You know, it was three <laughs> Stephen King books. Um, it's quite a short book, is it? 
Yeah, it's not one of his long... I don't it's think he was doing as much coke at the time, so it's <laughs> actually one of his more succinct <laughs> ones. But I was just so... I think I was like 13 when I read it. And oh, I was that's like, a good Whoa. age to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah bullying, themes, <laughs> etc. Um, I love the film, though. The I love the original. Incredible. The film's incredible. Mm. Love a little that's Piper Laurie. That's interesting, because I guess, like, children... That, so at 13, you would read Carrie. But the books you're writing are aimed at 10 to 14 year olds. Yeah. But they are pitched younger as well, right? Yeah. There's like basic, with young, some young adult <coughs> books, there is like, they're about dystopias. There's like the fault mm-hmm. in the stars, people dying of cancer. There's like really dark topics for like you know, Hunger Games, <laughs> all really yeah. famous, um, very popular, big selling young adult books. And then there's like PG Young Adult, which is like just not quite that type of thing so like slightly more adult themes bullying all that kind of thing but not like no one gets I mean probably someone could get killed but like no swearing no kissing no stealing no doing drugs no swearing is there an absolute like absolutely nothing um do you know what I don't know that I mean basically are you trying to push the boundaries well, Do you have I a, mean, a first draft that has like a, a little, someone says shit in it. Or something? <laughs> I was like, let's see what they think of this. Just once. Um, well, because also I the brief. So my new book, When Good Geeks Go Bad, is about a character who's a very good geek, like you know, obeys the rules, gets teased for not having cool shoes, um, like does all her work and stuff. But and then she gets sick of that just blowing up in her face all the time and being bullied all the time. So she starts breaking rules and she starts rebelling. But I couldn't have her drink alcohol, do drugs, smoke a cigarette, kiss a boy or anything. So it's actually no, no quite snaggletooth BJs there. Like none whatsoever. <laughs> First pitch. Um, okay. First draft you tried to sneak one in. Right. So I like had to, it was quite a challenge, which was fun too. But like so I had her doing like graffiti because that wasn't explicitly outlawed and I had her doing um, like sh- a bit of shoplifting and she you know vandalises the school can machine with Tipex she okay. writes tax avoiding scum on it and um, it all goes more and more she starts breaking school rules and wearing trainers to school um, but she she kind of starts going off the rails and then it's about I love that kissing go, is worse than that yeah. <laughs> no I know well see actually I hope you haven't been out kissing no I was just uh, doing some graffiti <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, interesting you should say that because although they were really like pro, <coughs> when I wrote the pitch and everything, the chapters about, they were like, okay, we really like the synopsis, give us the chapters about the graffiti. And I was like, okay, that's like chapter eight though. They were like, yeah, write chapter eight. So I was like, it was a slightly weird thing to do. And then when we finally did like the final rewrites, they were like, you're going to have to take out the graffiti. So it's like the whole thing was oh, built no. around the graffiti. But in the end, we just had, she watches the naughty kids do graffiti and then she doesn't do the graffiti. Um, so it's like so there really is a fine line and but I think my publishers in particular have built their brand that parents can trust them and it's all going to be kosher Mm. but I'm sure other publishers wouldn't have a thing but that's I mean it works it was the same when we did Uncle when we did the pilot at Channel 4 I was smoking and drinking I was drinking and driving in the first scene of of Uncle and then when it went over to BBC a year later um we weren't allowed to do loads of that stuff. Uh, wow. A because um, A because uh, it was BBC, but B because in between the pilot and the series, yeah. uh, Jimmy Savile fucked all those kids. <gasps> oh, oh so wow. <laughs> it wasn't between like... them. It was over. It was over. <laughs> but it was because it was <laughs> because it was at the BBC. <laughs> because 
so so Uncle came out on in November. Yeah. And then obviously Shane Ritchie did uh, uh, a tribute to <laughs> Jimmy Jim Savile Fix it for Sir Jim at Christmas. Wow. And then a week later, uh, Jimmy Savile turned out he'd fucked all them kids and yeah. uh, and then um <laughs> and then, <laughs> again the phraseology. i made direct eye contact with the camera that's the first time you said that was oh, that one off that's it the, was like <laughs> that's the security camera oh, it's these little ones that you want to worry about <laughs> fucked all of them kids uh. um, so but when he went and did uh, uh so when we did the because it was bbc that basically did all the cover-up when we did the next series it was just like you're not allowed to uh uh Swear in front of the kids. You're not allowed to talk yeah. about drugs in front of the kids. You're not allowed to. They didn't um, want any more scandals. You're not allowed to wow. uh, hug the kids. You're not allowed to go. You know, basically. Wow. So when we did the first, when we did the pilot, like Elliot had a lovely time because uh, uh, you know he was like the star of the show and everyone was like hanging out with him and it yeah. was like and we'd swear all the time in the car and his mum was on set the whole time yeah. and she had headphones on and we would sort of like when we were driving around in the car I'd be swearing it and he'd be laughing and we'd have yeah, like loads of fun. Yeah. When we did the pilot, when when we did the series, uh, basically uh, I, I didn't have I didn't talk to him. Wow! I did. I did. I sat with him at lunch and stuff like that. Uh, but the crew kind of like all avoided him wow. because it was just like wow, as, wow. N- as nice as it is to like like you know yeah. uh, chat to a kid and kind of like be like, all right, mate, it's yeah. p- it's not worth losing your entire livelihood and career wow. over. So people just were like, it's not worth it. So. So he was shunned just in case. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was. That's uh, amazing. He'll yeah. be in therapy about this. No, that's <laughs> no. Like, I, I, that's I see really him, interesting. I see him quite a lot, but I mean, they, they, they yeah, they. The different environment. The different, the different environment, but also the different, um, yeah, environment. The different landscape of, mm. of yeah, yeah. the political landscape of, of uh, how to behave on set. And yeah. stuff. but mm. apparently the, uh, Henry Winkler was um, filming a thing with uh, kids. Um, uh, up north, can't remember where. Uh, maybe it was in Scotland. It was a kids' show that he was filming in yeah. England. And uh, when he came along, they said, "Right, these are the new rules. You're not allowed to, uh, you know, you're not allowed to touch the kid. You're not allowed to. If you are gonna, um, uh, you can shake his hand, but not for long. <laughs> and if you're gonna give someone a hug, it's got to be like a sideways hug, and they've got to instigate it and wow. all of that. So and like Henry Winkler just went yeah. in, yeah. and there was like twelve kids, and Henry Winkler went in, and he just was like, "Hey, kids!" and he just hugged them all, and, was like <laughs> that. and they were like, "No, Henry, no, no!" Oh <laughs> but he didn't care. But, um, wow! Yeah, yeah. But it's a bit like you know when um, Jonathan Voss and um, how like Russell Russell Brand, Brand, Russell Brand when yeah. they did that thing, and then everyone had to be really careful after that. There yeah. was like a whole super cautious <sighs> environment because of the outrage caused by that too. Yeah, I thought yeah. that was a thrash metal song kicking in, <laughs> but it's Nick blowing his nose. I, 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 like, I switched oh, my microphone off so that I would be the minimum of disruption and then you what? You do a fucking commentary. Sorry. I'm glad I'm not allowed really on your confused. show. <laughs> we did we did perfect movie on Sunday night. And Beck Hill was uh, one of the guests, and she just recorded a drunk woman. Yeah, that's right. And when she, when Rich was calling her from the stage, (laughs) I was going, "Oh, Beck's doing like a funny sort of slurry voice." (laughs) (laughs) It's like she's doing like a bit where she's pretending to be a bit drunk and a bit, and then she went on and went, "No, she's hammered. No, she's hammered." (laughs) 
<laughs> to be I fair, didn't know to be she'd fair, that much. Actually, very well. It was the best I'd ever seen her. Oh. She absolutely uh, smashed it. She was great. Oh. It was really great. Um, uh, that reminds me that maybe one of the last times we'd ever gig together was your Halloween gig, wasn't it? Where where Nat oh, came yeah, on yeah. dressed. It was two thousand. Oh. Yes, it was. Two thousand ten. Yes. Halloween two thousand ten. Yeah. Nat was dressed as Martin McFly. Yeah. You were, were you a witch? Yeah, I was. I mean, I was a bit. All over the place. I think I was dressed semi like a witch. I had a wig and a, was wearing black and stuff. I wasn't. I didn't do my best. Um, no. Show. <laughs> no, it was a bit of a disappointing end. But to, it was uh, great having your show on. I, I did. I think you stink with uh, yeah. Gemma Whelan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, that was great. That was great. But that's like maybe the last time we in 2010, maybe that we gigged. Is that together. the last time we actually gigged? Uh, wow. So. Wow. Oh. No, but that's all right. There's more to long. life than gigging. Yeah. I mean, it only takes up, you know, between five and 30 minutes some nights. <laughs> uh, if you are gigging, I haven't gigged in a year and a bit. Have you not? I've had emotional problems. Um, so we've got to play the game. Yeah. We've um, done, I can't believe we've done an hour <laughs> of, of this. This is it. Um, this how is how did you find it? Was it all right? It's I feel like Taylor's back. barely spoken. I, I think when we listen back, we'll be surprised with how much she has chipped in. <laughs> um, but um, but uh, if, if it's been all right. It's just a casual chat, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so of right. course. It's been lovely having you back. I want to come back a third time. So. <laughs> Do you know what? This was awesome. I say it to most guests, and it's normally bullshit, but we'd love to have you back. <laughs> so um, what are we? What are we? Uh, three. This is the game, and you have to say whether the next person is better or worse than the person play. before. You can both play. Beginning with Gary Bushel. Gary Bushel. Mm. Natalie Wood. Is Natalie Wood better or worse than Gary Bushel? Um, Gary Bushel is terrible. Yeah. Who's um, Natalie Wood? Natalie Wood was oh, in Natalie West Side Story. Was she? Oh, so she got murdered on yeah. a boat. I couldn't sing. They had to dub it in, but still. She terrific. couldn't sing. It's not her singing. It's not her singing. Oh, oh fuck I sticks. Know. Oh, it's she's, not, she's um, still better than Gary Bush. She is better. It's, it's not fucking, what's her name? Audrey Hepburn singing in My Fair Lady. That happened too. And it's, and it's not Christopher there Plummer singing in, uh, in Sound of Music, which is, I think that one hurts the most. I didn't know that one. No. And you listen oh, to, you can, you can find an original recording of him singing Edelweiss, of just, Christopher Plummer singing Edelweiss, and it's and not that bad. And he's saying Apartheid. It's not, weird. <laughs> it's not that bad. It's not that bad, Chris. That movie is my Apartheid. What, Sound of Music? Yeah, I like that. You don't like it? Oh, I no, bloody love it. I'm not a big fan. Um, I'm not a big Even fan of the ending, now. but up until the, the Nazis get defeated, I love it. <laughs> Carry on. Is Victoria Wood better or worse than Natalie Wood? Victoria Wood is better than Natalie Yes. Better. Ronnie Wood better be next. <laughs> oh, I should have thought of him. Halle Berry. Is Halle Berry better or worse than Victoria Wood? Uh, worse. Oh, that's harder. They're high cards, well, I suppose, but I uh, Halle Berry isn't that together. high. That's the point. Yeah, I know. You've got to remember. I'm going to say Halle Berry. Victor- That's right. better. better than Victoria Wood. What, I'm going to say worse. What? I've Catwoman. Got, I've got to go for Jinx. Victoria Wood because I love There we Victoria go. Wood. You're right. Come on, You're let's right. rattle through it. It's been very slow this time. <laughs> it's going to be a high speed <laughs> game. Gina Davis, better or worse than Halle Berry? Incidentally, oh, if you better. do know if uh, there were other actors that didn't sing with their original voices in, uh, in movies, uh, let us know. Tweet it. Carry on, uh, Nathaniel. Gina Davis, better or worse than Halle Berry? Better. Gina Davis is the best. I really love Gina Davis. Who yeah. doesn't like Gina yeah. Davis? You can say it's a high card, but Gina better. Davis is... Better. She is better. I'm, I'm she didn't say high card. 
You can't say high card. Oh, you say you can say it's a high card, but... Oh, it's a high card. It is a high card. Well, this has never happened before. We've had to play the fucking song again. Steve Davis, <laughs> the snooker player, better or worse than Gina Davis. No idea who that is. Oh, Gina Davis is better than a snooker player. Gina yes, Davis yes. is better than the, anyone the I don't know. I like, I like Steve, cards, I like Steve Davis. Very high cards. Okay. Uh, Felicity Jones, better or worse than Steve Davis. Worse. Steve Davis is a ginger legend. Which one's Felicity Jones? She's the one who's in Star Wars Rogue <laughs> You can't even All judge right. her. You can't right. judge her. Yeah, so Felicity better, yeah. Come on! Worse! <laughs> Toby Jones, better or worse than Felicity Jones? Oh, Felicity Jones is better than Toby Jones. No. Toby Jones is better than Felicity Jones. Wait, oh wait, I might be thinking God, just, uh, You're overthinking Freddie it, Jones. Freddie Jones, better or worse than Toby Jones? Toby Jones is dad, Freddie Jones. I don't know who I'm that is. I'm not up with oh the God, God, yeah. He's better, this is he's the better. Worst one Griffey Jones, had. better or worse than Freddie Jones? Don't know any don't you don't know Griff Reese Jones? Oh, right, yeah. Are you listening to the fucking things that are coming out of his mouth? <laughs> he's worse, he's worse, he's worse. Okay. What's the score? Four? Oh, fucking hell. That is fucking appalling. I think the score is All right. confused You've got to four. <laughs> We've never had a four. Yeah, we have. you, you, you got four. You're as, you, you got a league table. You're as good as Jack Barry and Bunny Galore. You're not as good as John Niven, Sean Harris with ten. Uh, Daniel Cook, Daniel Lawrence Taylor, Michael Legg, Solomon Gray with nine. Claudie Blakely, Doing Jordan it. Brooks, Suze Kempner, Evelyn Mock, Paul F. Taylor, Rebecca Shorrex, Mark Smith and Carl Thelbold with eight. Seven with uh, Hayley Campbell, Brett Goldstein, Charlie Hicks and Matthew Holness, Jim Hoskin, Laura Lex, Esther Smith, Ian Smith, Josh Widdicombe, Sean McLaughlin, uh, uh, Drunk Women Solving Crime last time, uh, with, that was ah! Hannah George, um, Colin Holt, uh, Andy Kindler, Merritt Larwood, Lucy Porter, Richard Sanding, Mark Simmons, David Trent with six, and Yasmin Ekram and Rob Deering with five. Those are the people that you're less good than, and the only person that you're better than is Sam Ashurst with three. So thank you for coming in, ladies. It's been very nice thank to talk to you. Um, and, oh, uh, we've got shows coming up. We forgot to do that. Yeah, well, you, you've forgotten to do it. Uh, we'll tweet about it. Okay. Oh, no, you're doing some Go shows. On, what shows when? Well, we're at the Vault Festival next week for International Women's Day on March 8th with Hannah Witten, and we also have a show at the Pleasance on April 25th with uh, Zoe Lyons and Desiree Birch. Yeah. And we're at the Fringe this year, so watch oh. this space. Oh, wonderful. Uh, if you're listening to this as a podcast, you've missed all that. You've been listening to a FUBAR Radio podcast. For more information, go to foobarradio.com.